When you shuffle the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast, the podcast that for the next hour and a bit is going to give you 100%. 100% record, 100% defence, 100% Manny Dookie, 100% Aaron Doran and Sean Welsh have already been injured, ICTV 100% better, and we've got 100% Ryan Essen, 100% Billy Mackay, and 100% some Kilmarnock fan. Dodgeball has begun and we are 100% in for it. All that in 27 years worth of ICT references packed into an hour of wild conjecture and the usual mild distraction. Let's shuffle. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it. Welcome one and all to the Wine Shuffle. I'm 100% certain I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me today for the pod looking at the first month of the season is 100% not getting into a game until November, Stevie Riley. November 2023, probably, yep, but hello. Uh, 100% backtracking on Kirk Bogfoot, Andrew Sutherland. Hello. And 100% tells me I'm talking shit at least once per pod, Andrew Young. Yep, that'll definitely happen again. <laughs> okay, um, we'll get straight on to the League Cup and the first couple of league games in a minute, but before we do, the Olympics have been on, the greatest, the greatest show on earth, <coughs> the World Cup, <coughs> Um so who who would be who would we be given our gold, silver, and silver and uh, bronze medals to over these past few games? I'll go for. I think it's quite hard to pick one or two out because the team has been playing really well and it's been it's been hard to get a goal. But I'm going to say Scott Allardyce. I think uh, Scott started the season well last year, um, faded in and out, but I think in the middle of the park. I think having recently cleared have picked up uh, and his partnership, so he would be my gold. He's He's obviously he's, he's fond of a goal, and I think he'll uh, he'll up his tally this season. Gold for me would probably be Manny Duku. I think he started the season well for us. Um, he's maybe not got as many goals as he might have liked, but he's um, he's been showing some good hold up play up front. He's been linking up well with um, Shane Sutherland and teeing up chances um, for teammates. Obviously, he set up Rory McGregor for his amazing goal against Wraith Rovers uh, the other day. Um, so he started really well, as Wraith Rovers fans said he would do. Hopefully, he doesn't fade like he did with them. Um, but yeah, he'd be my, my standout gold medal performer so far. I've got a photo finish for gold between Tom Walsh and Duku at the moment. Duku for the reason sub sub mentioned. And I think Walsh was definitely our most dangerous and creative player against um Peterhead. Again against Sterling, although his final ball wasn't as good and we really missed him against Gold. Um so yeah, I think he's maybe just just edging it for me at the moment. I think you're missing a, a key a key name here. He's played almost Every minute, if not every minute of every game, started every game, has been involved in almost everything. Shane Sutherland, no? Well, I've got him kind of uh, close for bronze between him and Danny Devine, actually. I think Danny Devine's been very good when he's come in. Yeah. Um, you know, the defence has really improved since he came into the, the centre centre half session. Uh, but I think, yeah, Sutherland's been great. And yeah, we've probably had him for bronze just. Okay, so who, who are we giving gold to? Will we give it to Duku? Or we give it to yes. Allardyce? <laughs> I, would, I would say Duku, given that Sav and I both mentioned him. Right, okay. So I'll, gold, I'll, yeah, Duku. the gold medal goes to Manny Duku. Well well done. Um, and the silver, who's that go to? Shane, Shane Sutherland? Maybe? I think that, Shane. That, yeah. I think Shane. He's been, he's been maligned um, by, by some fans, myself included, I have to be honest. His, his finishing hasn't been as good as you might have liked. He's missed, you know, against Cole, for example, a few good chances there. But he, 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 I don't know, he, he just seems to be 
a lot more active, yet despite the fact he seems to be playing a, a slightly deeper role uh, compared to last season, yeah. he's, he's really kind of buzzing around. He's playing um, in the 10, he's playing in the 10, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's kind of playing behind Duku, which is a little bit surprised at, but the two of them seem to be linking up quite well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, long may it continue. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> and I'll just give the bronze, I'm going to give the bronze to Ross Tokley <laughs> for, uh, for vastly improving the, uh, the online the online offering that the club has put in there. So, well done, well done, Ross. Okay, game by game, the season has started. Win, lose or draw, it has begun. And that is exactly what transpired in the League Cup. Cali Thistle doing us a favour and letting us experience the season in microcosm a win against Peterhead, a draw against Sterling, an abomination against Cove, and then a loss to Hearts. On the preview pod, we talked up how this looked like the ideal start, guys. At the time of recording, um, the two games gone in the league now you know, were looking good, um, but the league cap was not good. So was that the plan all along? And, and what do you think went wrong in these cup games? No, I don't think it was a plan. I think Dodds was in the press saying he obviously didn't, he didn't want to get out the, the, um, the competition and was obviously keen to progress in it, but I think skipping the first game, I think looking at the Cove game, which some of you boys were at, it probably helped us in the long run because we were so crap that I think the boys came together after it. Um, Defence was, was all over the place against Cove, and if you see the Hearts performance the week after, something's happened in the training pitch around the way home from Cove. Uh, they've got tighter, they've had a word, so maybe in the long run, getting our asses kicked off Cove might help us, and obviously we're starting well in the league, so there's some positives, but yeah, I think those we got to have exited so quickly. I was just, I was just going to say that I thought you know the Peterhead game actually maybe gave us false expectations. I thought we were excellent. We were so sort of um, high tempo. We pressed the ball really well. We looked really sharp. And then suddenly you're in the Sterling Albion game, and it's it's deja vu. It's the last three seasons. You know we're kind of slack. We're we're looking kind of lacking in sharpness and um, and kind of losing concentration. And then you think surely there's going to be a reaction against that in Cove, and the Cove game was. I don't know. I can I can talk about the Cove game forever, but it was it was diabolically bad. You, you could maybe make an argument for saying that this is probably, with the exception of Hearts, probably one of the easier groups we've had in a good couple of seasons. And yet, for the fifth season in a row, we've crashed out of the League Cups at uh, the group stage, and we've now, you know, unfortunately under Dodds, he's going to have the record for the lowest points total of any ICT manager in the revamped um, League Cup group stage. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to talk I, about the games and stuff, but not not really a good kind of like performance overall across all the games. I don't think he really cares. I think I think he was telling, I think he maybe said something in the changing room, and he said something different to the fans. Said he was treating them as competitive matches. I don't think he was treating them as competitive matches. I don't think. Um, I think it was against Sterling, and he takes off both the centre halves. You don't take off both your centre halves in a game unless you have to uh, if it's a competitive match. I don't know. I, I think he was taking it seriously, personally. I, that, the response against Peter Head, his after-match interview, he was absolutely delighted with that. You know, he seemed really, really kind of uh, um, positive and almost relieved that uh, he'd, um, he didn't know that we'd come out and done so well. All right, well, we'll go back to that first game very briefly, uh, pick out a couple of things. Uh, Doran's link-up play there is absolutely fantastic, that first game. You haven't really seen him since, but he's obviously got to come into the team now, so it's quite a few players that haven't really sort of made a contribution yet in, in the first couple of matches. So how much, how positive is it that Doran's able to play so well in that match? So 
next time we actually see him, he could really make an impact, couldn't he? Where do we play Doran, though? I mean, I, I think Doran Day is out, Day's out wide or gone. Um, I think he likes Gardine and Walsh either side, but the problem is we've got a lot of players that can play in that 10. Shane's played it, Doran can play it, Roddy can play it. Um, ideally, I'd like to see Doran as a 10. I think he's got all the link-up play we need. He can play off the strikers, but... He's like a false. He's a false eleven. We said that last season. Aye, it's just going to be hard for him to get the team. That's the problem. Mate. Yeah. With boys performing, that, that's the thing. But when when he comes in, we know we've got a, a great replacement with Storing. So hopefully, we get him in sooner rather than later. Uh, the Sterling game, two 0 down within twenty minutes. Roddy, great to see him scoring. Uh, obviously, he scored again. Now, how big a season is this for him? Yeah, it's interesting you talk about Roddy because obviously he's had um, a really strong start to the season. Most regards, a, an excellent goal against. Sterling and then he's just come off another really good goal against Wraith Rovers but he was responsible for giving away the free kick that um, gave Sterling their lead and it to me it looked a little bit rash you know it looked like the whole team was a bit unsettled by just how aggressive Sterling had been and Roddy kind of goes in there um, he didn't really have to make it because there were defenders um, behind the ball um, it was almost like he was just trying to match Sterling aggression for aggression and trying to kind of impose himself in the game. But I think that suggested a little bit naivety, perhaps, because you don't do that. You don't make those risks or take those risks maybe 20, 25 yards out. And of course, it leads it leads to the goal. Um, apart from that, he's been excellent. I think, you know, he's been really good. He will, I think, be an incredibly important player for us. And he offers kind of a, a dynamism and a sort of willingness to take the ball and run with it in the midfield that we didn't have against Cole, for example. So I think it'd be great, but that's just just one little thing to, to be aware of, and hopefully that's something that you know Billy Dobbs forever has kind of said to him. You know, you didn't need to make that challenge. Yeah, as as, as Ay says there, I think something you get more with McGregor is you, you do get a lot more kind of penetrating runs further up the pitch. He does seem more able to get forward and support the attack um, much more effectively than either Aldice or McAleer do. Um, you know, his goal was well taken. So was Sutherland's, of course. And kind of, I don't know, again, a kind of a similar theme for a lot of the League Cup group stage was the poor defensive play. And, you know, unfortunately, we saw it again with Carson switching off at the back post to let his man kind of run free off him to score the second Sterling goal. Um, so, yeah, you, you kind of saw that the defence was not really kind of seen from the same hymn sheet, even though even this early on in the League Cup campaign. OK, on to the, on to the Cove game. Um, the only thing more embarrassing than this uh, result this season was um, County's recent signing of a goalkeeper, who I quote from their press release, has over 50 bench appearances in League One in the Championship. Did everybody see that? <laughs> oh, Jesus. So there you go. That's that's the level of player that uh, <laughs> Malky is, uh, is attracting. More on Malky later on. Um, this was the game that set the angry social media here running. It was an appalling performance. The manager wasn't happy after the game, and he didn't try to put a gloss on it. Um, Sav, how sad were you to lose to Ian Vigas? <laughs> Very sad, and also sad to lose to, to Ross Draper as well. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give Vigas credit, he absolutely did Michael Gardine up like a smoke kipper by kind of feigning one way and then spinning, you know, 180 degrees the other direction to just do him uh, with a, an amazing Cruyff turn. So he's still got it, he, he's wasted in that league. You know, he could easily be playing championship football, but yeah. you know, screw him, he's a dick. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned the kind of poor defensive performance against Sterling. I think, um, I, li- I do like um, I do like Cameron Harper. I think he's got potential, but I think this is another game where unfortunately we saw almost kind of like what a modern fullback in football is like these days. They're, they are good at getting forward. They are good at supporting. He's got a good cross in him. He did set up a couple of decent chances, I think, for Shane uh, in this game. But, 
he was just so weak defensively. Um, and I think that's obviously been maybe in you know what Dodds has done with regards to moving D's over to left back. He's maybe kind of sacrificing that little bit of attacking threat for a lot more um, you know, solidity basically at the left back position. So I think for the time being, I don't see Harper getting back in the team. But it would be unfair to single him out because the, the whole team were were really poor. Um, I mean, Duku and Sullivan, you know, they, they, they tried hard. They, they were doing a lot of running. They had some good chances, some good saves by the Peterhead goalkeeper. But unfortunately, everywhere else in the pitch, we, we, we were second best. Cole thoroughly deserved that win. Um, it really was an absolutely brutal performance. And, you know, a, a lot to be made about the comments after the game by Dodds, you know, saying he's not had a chance to work with the back four yet, you know, taking that face value, it's a really strange thing to say. I mean, you know, he's been there for what, like six weeks or something and he apparently done no work with the, the defensive players. Yeah, I think you need to contextualise what, contextualise that comment or examine it though. Yeah. Because there's no way, you have seen what they've done six weeks training before that, there's no way they haven't done any defensive work. So when he's saying yeah. he has, he's not a tight work in defence, he might not have done certain exercises he would normally do, certain drills, he might not have done specific defensive drills. Um, remember, they're essentially a coach. They're still essentially a coach oh. down. Yeah, they maybe have not done things he wanted to do, but I don't think he did. He's done zero work on the defence, and I think it was obviously amazingly for the guy who's done so much media work. It was a real naive comment to make, and it was too honest. And you need to maybe you needed to read into how that was going to be read by the support. Thankfully, he has now done <laughs> the work on the defence, as <laughs> ev- as evidenced by the. Um, by the league matches, but just very briefly, um, Hearts, how, how, oh, how we've longed to play Hearts in the League Cup. Um, a 1-0 loss, 75th minute, Jamie Walker strike after he and Peter Herring came off the bench. Amazing two-player take off a bench. Um, but a better performance on the whole from us um, taking the previous two games into consideration, isn't it? I thought the back four against Hearts stood out. I mean, obviously, Mark Rogers was, was superb. A few worldly saves as well, and, uh, and another day, Hearts just scored 10, but um, I thought I was impressed with the defence. We didn't offer a lot going forward, but we never were. That was a game we were going to basically just regroup, you know, and look, obviously look towards our growth game. But the signs were there. And again, I'm just looking at the back four. I thought they, they played as one unit, played well, and yeah, it's put us up in good stead going forward. But yeah. And that was the League Cup, the fifth consecutive season, as Sub said, that we haven't qualified. Bring back the Milk Cup with the Tenant Sixes. Bring back Richie Foran. He got us out. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe too far, too far. Too far. Nah, nah, you've, impro- you've improved on my wee mini link out there. I'll keep that. In. What's the crap like? Okay, league business. So on this form, uh, two uh, two games, two wins, zero goals conceded. We are winning the league. Uh, two one no wins puts us joint top with Partick and Kilmarnock. The latter also recording two clean sheets. So the first of these games, let's have a wee, let's have a wee in-depth analysis of this Arbroath 1-0 win. We haven't won at Arbroath since, give me the date, it's early noughties, isn't it? 2002-2003, I think, that yeah. season. So uh, the day began with disappointment with no firmer on commentary, but ended in elation with a win, and even more elation for the small band of supporters that made the trip to Gayfield. A win, a win, is probably, a win was probably expected here, actually, with the expectations we have this season, but is, is the a hard place to come cliche justified? Judging by a record there, yeah, probably. Um, I don't know if it's so much the place as it's uh, Dick Campbell being a really good manager. 
you know, he set, he recruits well, he sets the team up incredibly well. Um, and I think that's really what's made it so difficult for us to beat them. Given, I mean, that, that kind of 20-year thing is obviously a bit disingenuous because we've barely been in the same league as them between 2002-2003 and the yeah. last couple of seasons. But yeah, the last couple of seasons has all been about Dick Campbell. I thought that our both were possibly the better team over the piece. You know, I thought they created a little bit more. Um, they were a bit quicker up front, a little bit more inventive up front. I thought Nubly, the their big striker, looked oh, like a really, really good player. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Bobby Lynn caused David Carson a lot of problems. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, positives for us. I thought uh, the midfield two definitely looked stronger than they had against Cove. Their roles looked more defined. Scott Allardyce, as Stevie pointed out, um, I think was carrying the ball forward more and looking like he was going to be the more sort of aggressive of the of the midfielders and McAleer kind of looking more content to set. I thought Tom Walsh again caused the defence problems, although, you know, maybe not so much the final ball wasn't as good as it might have been. Um, and again, Duke was really good and Danny Devine, I thought, had an excellent game as well. So there, was, there were a lot of positives, but you know, I think I would hope that we're going to be a little more incisive and a little more flowing kind of going forward. And I hope that we're not going to make trying to defend a one nil one nil lead a sort of preferred strategy going forward. Because I don't quite think we've got the pace at the back to do that. You know, I'd rather see us trying to kill games off a little bit more. He has he has done that though in both games, hasn't he? He's defended mm. that one 0 lead and quite um, deliberately so because he's taken off whoever's been playing left midfield both games and he's put on Cameron Harper who's basically playing two left backs so that is his tactic so we've got a season of shiting ourselves for the last 20 minutes of the <laughs> game Badness. well we, we normally did that for the last few seasons I don't know how many, how many late goals have we conceded well no there's, there's true but you know the last few seasons it's just been kind of gloomy resignation you know yeah uh, well Shane Sutherland with the goal here what a goal it was dinks over the keeper while at full pelt then runs into the fans um, we, we talked a little bit earlier on um, about the start to the season, but that that goal is pure class sub, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was an excellent finish. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to paint this game um, because you know, it just confirmed the way fans could get in there a little bit too late for me. I'd already made other plans and that, so I had to make do with a um, pretty good highlight package actually on our both TV, um, which is you know really good. And, and I think the best thing about the goal was not just the finish, but it was actually seeing fans behind you know the goals again. Yeah. I, I, I know it's something that probably a lot of people are saying, so it's maybe kind of like a bit of a cliche, but it really was. You know, like for all of last season, you know, players scored, they celebrated, and that was it, done. But you know, there was a decent amount of limbs there, as much as there could be from a small number of Inverness fans. But the main thing was there were fans back there, and they had a great time by the looks of things. So you know, good on them. And you know, it, it was a, it really was a wonderful finish. And he started the season quite well. Again, like I say. Maybe not scoring as many goals as he might have liked, but he's getting in these positions. He's getting in good positions, and, and he's, he is linking well with Duku. So I'm hopeful that the two of them will, will continue this good work over the next um, few weeks. We seem to be going with the same crossfield ball, trying to find Walsh every five seconds, and it just wasn't it wasn't working. You know, it's quite a narrow pitch, and I don't think we did much change down the, the sides. But yeah, I mean, second half, I think we were better. And yeah, I was a bit worried with Shane's goal, to be honest. Sometimes a striker can have too much time, and obviously charging through, and I thought he was going to going to put it either side of the keeper maybe wide but yeah Kimpo's finished and yeah I was watching the stream I wasn't there like like you guys but yeah it was great to see the way fans celebrating and it's uh, yeah long over here Alright well on to the, the Wraith game another 1-0 win Rovers roll over and have belly tickled by Rowdy Roddy Player a fantastic display and win this one uh, we had numerous clear cut chances our old friend Jamie McDonald saving a number of them Dooku's link up plays superb throughout uh, Gardine's best game so far and then Roddy off the bench with the thunder bastard of a strike. How pleasing was this one? 
Yeah, I thought this one could have went either way. I thought, obviously, Jamie was, was his favourite or two still, and uh, it's good to see one of our own back at the stadium. I'm, I'm, uh, dete- I'm detecting, I don't know, I'm not detecting as much positivity from, from you guys as I thought there would. I, I know you're saying you don't want a season of 1-0-1s. I would take a season of 1-0-1s. I, I, really, I actually really enjoyed this. It was a wee bit of a tactical battle. It was a wee bit of teams being quite similar. But I, I really enjoyed it. I watched the stream. I really enjoyed watching it. Sub, did you? I, I Yeah, I, I was... I was um, able to get up for this one so that was good um you know making use of my season ticket for once um i, I thought we thoroughly deserved this game I, I kind of agree with what riley's saying i thought it was a little bit scrappy in places but i think there was some like nice expanses football played you know plenty of crosses going in you know we, we've mentioned duku several times you could tell he was up for this game obviously with his um kind of history with the wraith fans after last season he, you know he was right up for this um and in the second half i, I thought wraith kind of sat in a little bit more. They were a little bit depleted, obviously. They didn't have Lewis Fawn, who started the season quite well. I think he's got like four or five goals in like the first six games. They didn't have Brad Spencer either. So, you know, like the spine of their team was maybe not quite there. Um, so I think may- maybe like McGlynn kind of thought, right, okay, we've got through the first half. We'll maybe try and sit in a little bit more, try and hit in the break with Zanata and Connolly. And, and they did do that to some effect. You know, like Zanata looked quite good. Connolly was pretty wasteful when he got into the final third of the pitch. I, I thought we were on top for most of this game, and I think we thoroughly deserved the win. The only surprise was we didn't actually get the goal before we did. Um, I did think Wraith um, defended really well. Um, you know, obviously you've got the experience there of, of Christoph Pera. Um, they had shipped, was it, four goals against Hamilton the previous week, so I was expecting them actually to be worse at the back and more potent you know, in an attacking sense. And in this game, it was kind of the other way around. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought we thoroughly deserved this one. Uh, and I thought it was a, a really entertaining game. I, th- I thought it was a, a great performance. And to, to beat a team that we're probably going to be battling it out with <clears throat> for a playoff spot, I, I think this gives Dodds and all the players a real a real lift, a real boost. Yeah. Well, the only change from our both was Roddy out and Gardine in. Um, I'd like to say that maybe that give that gave Roddy a kick up the arse. He's come on and scored the winner, but I don't know if he needs a kick up the arse. I just think he needs to be played in the middle of the park, doesn't he? That's his position. That's what he needs to play. It's contract. Yeah. Uh, does it run out this season? Uh, yeah, it yeah. does. He does. And I think Alan yeah. Preston is best to try and sell him before it exactly. runs out. Exactly. So he needs to play. He needs, well, maybe he's not He's not playing him so he can get to sign a new deal. I don't know. He needs to, he needs to play. He needs to play. I was just going to say, I thought, actually, in the Arbroath game, that I would like to have seen... Roddy and Shane switching not all the time because obviously yeah. Shane scores his goal by coming deep from the 10 and he's played that role quite well but there were times in that game where we just didn't seem to have much invention coming through the middle so I thought you know we know that Shane can play wide if he needs to so maybe just you know change it up a wee bit like that the other thing I was going to say is that you have to remember if Riley sounds kind of gloomier than usual today it's because he's sitting there drinking alcohol free beer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think just I mean on the point about Roddy and that and, and you know Subs having to really impress now because we are quite strong <clears throat> in, in midfield and attack. But Barry Wilson did say something about how, you know, Rod- Roddy was going to set an example to the guys who weren't in the team. I think it was in the PJ or the Courier or something. How, you know, he had the right attitude. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't pissed off about being dropped. He just wanted to get on the pitch and make an impact. And he did that with that absolutely outstanding goal. Um, so, yeah, he set an example to, to, to the rest of the guys. And, you know, other players like that should, should really kind of follow his example. Gardine was superb this game. And I think. Oh. That's the catalyst for this season, I think. I mean, he was a bit slow in the first couple of games, but obviously getting up to speed and stuff. But um, yeah, I think Gardine in, in full pomp is going to be. He's a, a, he's a very he's a very cute little player in that he's oh steady. A bit, early, <laughs> bit early for that. Calm down. Um, it's just when when he gets the ball down, he he doesn't just kind of I don't know not not meaning to like pick on the guy, but like do what Miles Story did and just kind of 
hit it forward and, and chase after it kind of thing. And he doesn't just like lob aimless balls forward. He, you know, he'll take a little touch, you know, just nick it beyond his his defender and get him behind him. He's he's, he's a very clever little player, and he's yeah. still quite pacey over short distances. I I mean, he's not he's not done as well as we would like to have seen him, you know, do in the few games that I've seen him seen the guy play. But I don't know, maybe it'll start to click for him. Uh, with, with, with a few more games under his belt for us, and I, and I really hope it does. If, if this is what he's capable of, then yeah, he'll he'll rack up the assists because he's yeah. Um, from my notes from this game, he's got the little pass in for Duku in the first half. If you remember, I think McDonald's made a great save, but that's a phenomenal little wee reverse pass, I think. And then he's got a cross. He's got a great cross in the second half as well, but he's cut in and then he's looked the ball just in for Duku. He's he's capable of getting that ball in the box in different areas. So. I think when Billy McKay starts, he will get ammunition from him. Um, but just going back a little bit to Roddy, I've got a couple of things I want to talk about in terms of the tactics for us, but um, people will be interested to know, they'll want to know. We need to get Roddy McGregor signed up on a new contract, and he needs to sign it. It's always a danger when you start creeping towards Christmas time um, that they can start talking to other clubs. And, exactly. Um, I know he's got a very vocal agent, but yeah, I think we can't be waiting until March time, um, chasing our heels, seeing what... Even... I mean, worst case scenario, right? I'm, I'm not doom and gloom and we're not in the, not the playoffs and we're not going up, right? We need to start sending players up now. Yeah. Just make, to, to, to secure ourselves so that we get some fees because the amount of players we let go for nothing over the years is criminal and a player of his talent needs to have a... a well, we signed, we signed Allardyce in a three-year deal last season, you know, extended. So we need to be doing that with Roddy to build the spine of this team, you know, to build it up. Uh, Sean Welsh is in the last year of his contract this season as well. So this is the spine we need to build the team around. And if we want to be in the Premier League, then we need to have players at Roddy McGregor. We need to keep them. And they need to get us in the Premier League because he's one of the best talents. And I watched the Galatasaray and Johnston game there, and you know, and he's he is a similar player to McCann, although McCann's obviously more rounded and a little bit older. But they're not same stature. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah they're not. They're not a million miles away from each other. Okay, moving on a little bit. Um, just the last point on this game and, and the two games in general. The defence, Devine and Kirk, uh, Broadfoot at the heart of defence. No goals conceded for two consecutive games. Social media trolls, trolls have been uh, pretty quiet on that front now. I, I thought these were two, if you go by social media, I thought these were two appalling players. Looks like they're not. Looks like they're very competent defenders. Well, one thing I would point out, there, there were still a couple of kind of awkward moments, I think, even in the Wraith Rovers game when like, I think Broadfoot came across Divine to try and challenge for the ball. That one of them had to deal with, not both of them, and that almost set up with a chance for Wraith Rovers. There are still mistakes there, but... When you look back like the Cove game where there seemed to be an error, you know, every you know time you looked, you know, at the pitch basically, the, the, the whole back line is more solid. It is improving. It does take time for these guys to kind of like gel together and stuff. Um, and you know, maybe we're gonna be like, you know, kind of the whole Arsenal one nil type team for this season. I don't know. But as long as they're win as long as we're running games, I'm I'm not too fussed, to be honest. Um, you know, we you know, with, with these two wins under our belt, that's our strongest start to a um season in the championship since we got relegated so you know so some th- something's going right somewhere so you know if it ain't broke don't don't no, don't be looking to kind of like change anything well yeah. well done captain kirk boldly going where no ict captain has gone before to win the first three games of the season <laughs> Mr. Goals, Mr. He Scores When He Wants is back. 65 goals, 157 games. Fourth highest scorer in uh, Cali Thistle history. Riley spoke to Billy Mackay. 
think I've always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to come back and especially the way it left this, the second time, I always had it in my mind that I wanted to come back here and play and, and score goals again. You're probably, you probably you'd signed on a lot a lot earlier than, than what yeah. you signed. I think the boys knew you were coming in. So how did that go about then? Did you, did you phone the club or did they get in touch with you at the end of the season? Um, well, Robbo had kept in touch pretty much the whole time from January onwards. Obviously, I was out of contract so I could talk yeah. to other clubs and he knew that. So we were... I was like I said, I was pretty confident I was coming back. Um, it did obviously it got announced quite quite late, but you know it was it was done a lot a lot longer before that. So yeah, I was, I was always coming back. Um, you know, I had a lot of clubs ring me in the summer, um, but like I say, it was already all done. Um, I was always coming back. You know, yeah. if we had to leave, we had to leave. But our first choice was always to go yeah. back to Venice if they wanted me, and and lucky enough they did. And you know, we're, we're delighted to stay and. For at least another couple more years. Was it was it easy to leave Inverness first time around? I know you're going to Wigan in the Championship. I mean, I think you got an FA Cup tie coming up right away, which is enticing. But yeah. how how much of a a decision was that for you to go back down? And uh, how did it come about? Um, I actually had a bid from South Korea about a week before that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kenny, the chairman at the time, come up to me and asked me would I be interested, and he said, "I straight away I said no." I, I, like, I, I don't want to go out there. I think that could be later on in my career or whatever. And he's like, you sure? The money's the money's crazy. And I said, don't even tell me what the money is. I don't want to go. Don't want to go. Um, and then luckily, Wigan come in like a week later. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to in the end. But, you know, at the time, I couldn't turn it down. It was a three and a half year deal on, you know, a lot more money that was on that Inverness. So it was, it was basically impossible to turn down. I didn't really get to, you know, fully feel what it was like to play in the championship and that, which was obviously disappointing because I thought I would when I went down. But yeah, I think uh, the manager changed after maybe a month or two months. Who was well. the manager? Was it Paul Cook back then? Or oh, it was Malky Mackay. Um, oh, okay. 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 Mackay, but yeah, he, he left and then uh, Gary Caldwell come in after that. But yeah, I didn't, didn't play much, which, you know, was obviously disappointing as I'd gone down there playing really well and thought I'd, yeah. I'd get a chance. But it's football at times. We get to obviously you're moving up the up the road in uh, 2015 to United. Now, obviously United fans will, will know what you've done in the league and stuff like that. But you seen that as a as a positive move. I mean, it's a big club as well, massive fan base and a lot of potential. But was there a wee bit of regret that it never worked out in England, or were you just thinking, right, let's let's focus on next season and getting back up the road and scoring goals? Um, yeah, I was disappointed that I, I did want to stay down in England. Um, yeah, I was disappointed because. All summer, they'd obviously come in for me and they'd come in for 200 grand. Obviously, it was 50 grand more than Wigan had paid for me. And they turned down the bid and, and they said, like, he's not going anywhere. It's part of our plan. So I, I felt really good pre-season. I thought I had a good pre-season. And then the first game of season, come Coventry away and I was in the stand. So I was a bit confused. To be fair, I think in, Kenny come back in, Inverness come back in to take me on loan. I think maybe Ross County at the time and Dundee United. But... Dundee United offered more percentage of my wages than the other two. So the other two got rejected. So really, I was only really left with that. I signed maybe two two days, one day before the, the end of the transfer window. But it did get a bit messy. And, and in hindsight, like, like we said, I would probably have looked into it more because Jackie, I, did, I didn't really look into it in terms of Jackie was, you know, the fans wanted him out, um, yep. which I didn't really know at the time, obviously, for just finished top six they're a, they're a good team they've gotten cup finals and things like that but 
yeah, in hindsight, they'd, they'd lost a lot of players. Jackie was on his last legs. And, and then Billy McCary was in two. How did the move come about? And I mean, you're coming in a, a totally different Everness and you, you left. I mean, we're, all, we're on our backsides. How, how hard was that to sort of go through that at the end of that season? And uh, even though it was back, was somewhere where you like to play? Yeah, well, to be honest, I should never come back. Um, I would had a, I had a go ongoing groin injury where no one really knew what it was. They were saying it's osteitis pubis. You just have to manage it. Um, so I was literally playing my whole time at Oldham, basically from second game, second game of the season onwards. I was playing through taking painkillers. You know, take I was maybe taking one on a Monday to get through training Tuesday, taking one on a Thursday to get through Friday and then one before the game, which is not ideal. Um, I did not feel sharp or anything at all. Um, so I had that and it was actually Kel. Kel kept ringing me, asking me to come back. He asked me that summer and I actually nearly come back in that summer. I was no, trying to negotiate a payoff from Wigan to come back to Inverness to sign permanent but because um, I didn't want to come back at that time, move house again and everything, because I'd just done that at Dundee for a season. So I wanted to commit properly, but um, Wigan wouldn't allow the payoff. So that's how I ended up at loan at Oldham. But um, but yeah, I should never come back because I think it was the game after the Rangers game. We played Celtic midweek. It was quite a quick turnaround. I think it might be Friday, Tuesday. Mm. And I tried to play against Celtic. And that from that game onward, I couldn't move. I, I was training... I was training just on a Friday, so I wasn't training all week, just Friday, and I'm just doing a little box and a passenger, not even joining in the games, and then trying to play on Saturday. And I couldn't move, wasn't sharp. You know, most of my games based on sharpness, and, you know, it just it just wasn't right. But I don't think, yeah, I think because of the lads we had, obviously the, the core bunch was still there, Gary and, and Ross and Carl and... Ravs, they, they still kept the place going, but you could just feel on a Saturday the confidence weren't there. And yeah, Rick, Richie for me was is the best captain I've ever had in my in, in my career. Um, he was unbelievable captain. It just didn't happen for him, manager. I think he'll he'll admit himself he probably made quite a few mistakes along the way. Obviously, I didn't see it as much because I wasn't like I say I wasn't actually training that much, so I didn't really see what was going on in the training ground. But yeah. Like I say, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have come back, and and uh, obviously it's a disappointing period. I'm, I'm gutted that I was part of it, part of the team that got relegated. But I was more gutted in myself that I couldn't do more because of how I felt and my groins were. Um, but yeah, it was it was disappointing. How are you playing against someone else the first time around for county? And was it weird? And it was weird. And I wrote, I remember the first time I played. For maybe the first 15 minutes, I actually I couldn't get my breath on my legs. My legs were like gone. It, it, it felt weird. It, I don't know how to explain it. I just felt like sapped of energy, like it was like a, a big thing playing against them, playing against them. But yeah, I remember that season, obviously. We had we had some great games. And to be honest, 90% of the time you were the better team. Um, you know, I think we ended up scraping out results. I don't, I don't actually know. I think the only time you beat us that season was in the cup, if mm-hmm. I'm right. But you should have probably beat us every single game. And uh, I couldn't believe you weren't fighting at the top with us, to be honest, because um, I think you were maybe just missing that that experience, that cutting edge maybe. But yeah, you, you had a good team. But yeah, it was strange playing against... It was strange, obviously. You know, I think I scored one as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was strange. It was it was strange. And like I said, he had a good team. And, but I enjoy it. I've, I've always... I think... 
everyone knows I've enjoyed the derbies. I've obviously scored a lot of goals against County um, mm. in my career. And for me, I actually wanted that year we went up. I was hoping you went up in the playoffs as well because I, I love the derbies. And then obviously Kettlewell gets a job himself and then he's replaced by some of you know well. So I'd imagine players like yourself would be quite excited hearing that Yogi's coming in having worked with them at Um Obviously coming in myself, I was, I was happy because... I thought, right, I'm going to play like he knows my uh, he knows my ability, he knows I can score goals. But, you know, obviously I cut, he come in and I hardly played at the start, which I found strange. Had a, had a few more chats with him probably uh, the end of last season than I did my whole time at Inverness. Um, but yeah, I, fa- I did find it hard, someone knowing what I can do and not play me. And, you know, um, obviously uh, it come to January and I, I tried, to, tried to come back to Inverness then. Um, he didn't allow it and and ended up starting me for a few games before before the end of the season and, and I managed to score a few goals for him. But yeah, it was uh, yeah I, fa- I did find it hard for him coming in and not playing me. I think Drapes did did the same as well because he knew what we could do for him. So you're back now. So version three. I hope we don't see a version four, Billy. I think the version three is probably the last version we see, right? So how do you how do you see the team now and uh, the balance? I mean, there's still boys like Aaron who you you played with last yeah. time around. But what's your thoughts on the squad and, and how we're looking? No, I think it's a really good squad. I think, like you say, we've got a mixture now of uh, experienced players. We're bringing in me, Midge, um, obviously Kirk coming in with massive pedigree. And I think, you know, you need that at times. I think, um, obviously, it's good to have really young, up-and-coming, exciting players. But I do think you you need that experience. I think, you know, in the teams I've played with, the Inverness teams, the most successful teams, you've always had that experience as well. Um, so I think yeah we've got a, we've got a really good blend we've got a competition for places um, I think obviously it started really well um, the first game so no I'm excited I, I can't wait I think we've got a really good chance um, to to you know to to be right up there um, it's about managing games I think in the past you know Inverness have been the better team in games and maybe not managed it properly and hopefully that experience and of being in the league a few years now and the players coming in can help that and it's, it's going to be great having the fans back scoring a goal there's no better feeling scoring a goal and hearing the fans cheer and you know I can't wait to get back doing that Right normally these interviews with new signings are all about getting to know them so it was a nice change to get a bit of insight into his years at Cali Thistle and the game in general um Again, that's with a lot of the older players, Stevie, that we, we, we've heard from and you've chatted to and boys have chatted to since we started the pod. pod he, was, he was very honest, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, as much as vulnerability, McKay, he's someone we I don't I've don't, I don't really spoken to him before. He doesn't do a lot of media and he's, he's quite a quiet guy. And, but I was, I was quite surprised how open he was and, yeah, some of his views. But, yeah, it was good to see, good to hear him and... Yeah, um, go over some of the stuff in the past and some of his regrets. Played under a lot of managers, as we know, but yeah, he's he's got a real appetite to be back. And uh, yeah, well, like you said, he, he said he always wanted to come back, and I think maybe that can be a bit lip service sometimes with players. But it did genuinely sound like he did want to come back. I know a lot of it's to do with his geographical location, but he, he has said there in the interview, you know, verbatim, a lot of clubs rung him up in the summer, but he was always coming back here. So how how good is that to hear? So. He's still a quality player. Um, he wasn't a, re- a, a regular every week in the county team, but for any championship team, I think he would have been a good signing. Um, I would have been surprised, for example, if someone like Kamarnik maybe weren't taking a look at the guy. Yeah, fine, we benefit from his uh, location with his you know, last team, but to have a guy like that, you know, pro- proven quality, 
actually, you know, really wanting to come to the club is, you know, it's a huge boost. And, you know, Billy Dawson has been absolutely delighted. You know, you've, you've got a team there with, with Duku, who did quite well for Aether Rovers for at least half of last season. Billy Mackay, who's, you know, kind of been there and done it over the last few years in Scottish football in general. And, uh, and, and so far, anyway, a pretty effective Shane Stone. He's got three good options up front. So, yeah, um, absolutely delighted to have Billy Mackay back. I, for one, am completely shocked that Gary Caldwell sounds like it was a complete arsehole. <laughs> yeah. I think with Billy as well, you've got to remember, he wanted to come back in January as well when County were in the Premier League and we were nowhere near the playoffs at the time, you know, and it, it, it nearly happened. And that shows his appetite to come back. Where does he fit into this team then? And then as we talk about where he fits into this team, let's talk about someone I'm going to call the catalyst for this season, Duku. Um, he's got three assists and two goals. He's involved in everything going forward. How does Billy McKay get in the team? Well, I think we're applauding Shane, and I think Shane started really well, but I think Shane is a fall guy. I, th- I think initially when we signed Billy McKay, it might change now with Dodge's thoughts, but I always think that McKay is best was when he played off foreign, you know, when it was a foreign knockdown, Billy McKay goal, and I think, not to say Duke is just a, a big target man, knock it down, I think McKay plays better off a bigger guy, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll drag defenders and also create space for Duku, but... That, that's, that that, that's playing a four four two though, isn't it? But I think I think that I think that was the the, the thinking behind it when we signed him was to go straight four four two with Garden and Walsh either side of a two in the middle. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think he'll he'll start getting starts when we start shedding points through not being able to convert chances. You know, at the moment we've had two one nil wins, we've defended well, we've had to wait, you know, for our goals, but but we've got them. I think you know there will come a, a point where we're maybe losing games 1-0 or whatever, or, or having the bulk of uh, possession, but drawing 0-0. And, um, and at that point, you know, you, you'd expect us to make the change to try and see if we can actually start converting chances, you know. All right, let's play a little game, and uh, we'll put £5 on the table, pick a number, and then winner gets £15, £20 at the end of the season. How many goals will Billy McKay get? Nine. Eleven. I was going to say eleven. I'll, go, I'll spot the difference, I'm going to say ten. Right, I'm going to say 15. No. Going to say 15. Hey, oh, hang on. Is this all competition for legal? No, just the league. Just the league. Legal. Okay, yeah, 10. Stick yep. that. Looking at the top goal scorers in the last few seasons, Boyce got 14 last season. The season before that, Shankland, who's obviously just a, a wonder, they got 24. But then the player after that, Nisbet, he got 18. So if we're going to finish like top three, top two, as you'd hope we would, then he probably has to score. 14, 13, 14, 15. Was McKay not top goal scorer when they got promoted? This is another thing I looked at. So 18, 19, um, Shanklin got 24, Dobby got 21, and McKay got 17. So right. he scored 17 in this division before. Trivia question, but I don't know the answer to it. When's the last time we had a striker that scored 10 league goals? Oh, that's a great one. That's a for us. <sighs> not Google, no Googling. Right, okay. Uh, do you know the answer? Anyway, I know you said. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I've got. I mean, I've got. I've got an idea of who it could be, but if it is, it would be pretty astonishing. Surely Jordan White quite recently must have. I mean, in all couple. Oh, league, 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 just League goals. White I, only got. White got, got, got seven. White got six or seven. No, do you know what I would guess? Billy McKay, thirteen, fourteen. Oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah. That's what I would guess, but I don't know if I'm right or not. Basically, when everyone's listening to this. They'll be they'll be googling talk yeah. or they'll be go, or we've missed someone really obvious. Aye, and then they'll go and then they'll go call themselves up, experts, aye, but a bunch of morons. Yeah. You got no soul, rubber bumpers.
Okay, league look ahead, COVID restrictions, social distancing and face masks are a thing of the past if you're heading to any nightclubs, discotheques, raves or abandoned warehouses for fight clubs or cockfights over the next month <laughs> or if you support a um, so-called big football club. But maybe not so uh, for ourselves, you know, Ayr, Kamarnock, Partick, Dunfermline, uh, smaller teams, some of the opposition we're facing throughout August and September. But before we kick off on these games, that the team's going to be playing. What do we think that supporters can expect in terms of turning up to matches in these far-flung locales? And will some people still be put off by the away game or, or, or even a trip down the Longman, as, as evidenced by the only 1,600 that was at the, the Wraith match? I think a way to support both of that core, I mean, you saw our bros, I think you're always going to have that, let's say, 150, just to say a, say a number. I think that's going to be similar for... Aaron Kilmarnock, but I think with home fans, you need to look at a bit of the demographic. We've got an older demographic of fan base, and maybe some of them are a bit wary of getting back. And I can only guess maybe that's the reason why some of the seats were empty. But I mean, you see a lot of, a lot of places as well. Cinemas are empty at the moment. You know, no one's going back to them. I know they're indoors and they're a bit more confined. But things that people done at the weekends aren't normal yet. And I think that will take maybe until next year until that happens. So I think we're going to see. Lower crowds, not not at every ground, but I think for professional clubs like ourselves, we're going to see a, a, a little bit of a reduction until things get a bit more normal, if that ever happens. Sub, Sub was saying last season, Andrew, that you know you hated the watching the games online. You hated that. You hated all the you know you, you know everyone hates the restrictions, but you you want to watch you want to watch football in its purest form. You go to more matches than any of us. So you know, do you still? Want to watch football in its purest form? Or are you yes. happy with this like distilled product that we might be getting? No, I, I I still want to get to every game. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that for you know a couple of ones at the start. But yeah, no, I, I won't be getting back. I'm looking forward to obviously you know getting to all the home games. Um, hopefully getting to you know as many of the away games as possible as well. Starting with hopefully Kilmarnock later this month. Um, I, I I can see why some people probably prefer the streaming option, um, but. I mean, the, the the club don't want that. I mean, we might talk about this later, I don't know, but the, the, the club want f- supporters down at the stadium spending money at the club, uh, in the club shop before a game and stuff, you know. Um, and, and probably, you know, like Inverness and other places like, you know, your Kilmarnocks and Ayers, they're going to want fans in coming in to go to the pubs, get a bite to eat before a game and stuff as well. Um, I've, I appreciate never, I've never had a bite to eat before again. It, it was good to be able to see the games last season, but as a, that, that's a stopgap thing for me. For me, the, the, the best way to watch football is, you know, down at the stadium, you know, catching up with your pals beforehand, maybe having a drink or whatever, uh, going down the stadium, what, hopefully watching your team win, and then, you know, a chat and a few pints after and stuff as well. Um, streaming did fine for a season for me, but that's it. I'm, I'm done with it. All right. Well, the first of these games coming up, Saturday the 21st, Air at home, um, Air after signing... All of Morton's players doing their very best impression of Morton by failing to win either of their first two league matches, um, albeit running Dundee United close in the in the League Cup. If we've got aspirations of keeping up with the top boys in this league, then beating a, you know, before a Dundee United game, beating a pretty poor-looking air side has to be a given, hasn't it, Ay? Yeah, I mean, and on paper it should be about the best victory yeah. we have at the moment because, as you say, they looked really toothless against Kelly. They went 2-0 down at home to Arbroath, and even though they scrambled a draw, uh, I think most of their supporters were, were livid about the way they played. They've got no faith in Hopkins' tactics or recruitment. A lot of them are already kind of assuming that he's a, he's a disaster. Uh, they were apparently better today against Dundee United um, in the Challenge Cup, in the League Cup, rather. 
uh, and I'm kind of a bit concerned that um, they might kind of see that as a as a little sort of turning point after that after a bad start. But I still think on paper we should you know we should be you know winning it and looking at it as a chance to go into the Kilmarnock game no worse than top equal. They're they're definitely a weaker team. They're probably one of the favourites for relegation, although they will definitely be bolstered by their you know pretty decent performance against Dundee United Day by all accounts until Nick Walsh decided to get involved and, and ruin another football game. Um, I still think we're going to be good enough to win. Um, I think we're going to see Tom Walsh, you know, being the Tom Walsh of old for us rather than he yeah. was for Air United. I mean, he just didn't seem to have any luck down there. I mean, it's only only middle of August as, as we're doing this pod now, and he's already paid, played sorry um, a third of the total number of minutes for um, Air United in the whole of last season. So you know, he's. Um, He's just another one of these players that seems to do well for us and not and not too well for um, other teams. So I'm hoping for a big performance from him, just like we saw from from Manny Duku against Rafe Rovers last weekend. So we win in this game here. Yes. Okay, on to Saturday, 28th of August, and Kilmarnock away. A complete overhaul of the squad in Ayrshire. So um, other than Chris Burke, who are the players to watch? Does Tommy Wright play boring football? And does Jimmy say aye to Achille Pie? Sub spoke to the Terrace Podcasts. Resident Kelly fan, Craig Anderson. I guess like most of us, you're, you're pretty delighted to be getting back into football grounds again uh, this season, albeit probably not in a league you were expecting to be in uh, this time last year. How, how have things been going so far for you guys? Yes, I'm, I'm sort of kind of trying to work out if the relegation maybe doesn't count because we weren't there to see it. Um, but that, that doesn't really hold because there were actually 500 fans back in for the, the second leg of the playoff, although I wasn't one of them. Yeah. You know, I, it's, I think ever since Tommy Wright came in, even he couldn't save us. I don't think, I'll, I mean, he has to take a wee bit of the blame for that, but I think that the squad was so poor that it was always going to be a struggle, just so poorly put together. And We've had, as we'll probably come on to talk about, a massive overhaul. There's only like two or three players still hanging around that were there last season. There is a real positivity now in terms of what's going on on the park. The team is much, just much better organised. There's a, there's finally a goalkeeper there. And generally, there's a, there's a real air of positivity. I was down at Dumfries on, um, on Saturday. I don't know when this is going out, but I was at the last game before we recorded. I was down at Dumfries for the, um, for the Queen of the South game, and. Uh, you know, it was one of those frustrating afternoons, but you get that last minute goal, and that's the sort of thing that last season we would have been conceding those last minute goals. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was amazing to be back there first away game in, in year and a half, and yeah, it's um, I think we're a we're a much more interesting and exciting team, and that's really all you can hope for. A lot of folk have Kilmarnock down as the favourites uh, to win the championship. Do you think that's, do you think that's fair? Do you think Tommy Wright's the man to take you guys up? It would be a it would be a big failure if we don't win the win the league. It's where I would put it. I'm not saying it's not it's possible that we don't win the league. Of course it is, but um, he knows Scottish football. He's never been in this league before. He's on paper by far the best manager in the division, yeah. and so there's no reason why we shouldn't be winning the league this year. Um, and so yeah, I'm at the moment. Um, I'm confident. Maybe you'll ask me in a few months' time before we play again, and that will have changed. But at the moment, <laughs> I, I've got no reason to to suggest that he won't. Who's been kind of making the, the kind of biggest impression for you so far in the Kelly team? And is there anyone that maybe we should be kind of keeping a, a particular eye on when the when the teams face off at the end of the month? I'm I'm very reluctant to say this because I, I think I'm costing them, but um, we've we've finally got a good goalkeeper. Um, so uh, we've got a guy uh, Zach Hemming who's on loan from Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. um, and he's just big, composed, uh, commanding. As I said, I don't think he's necessarily the best of our players, but he's the one that you've immediately gone right. Now we've got a goalkeeper. 
Likewise with the centre-half, Ewan Murray came in from Dunfermline and we brought up um, a guy, Chris Stokes, um, kind of experienced uh, lower league English player who's the new captain. Suddenly you've got two centre-halves that look quite solid and a solid goalkeeper. So that's the thing that I'm happiest about. It's obviously they're not the most exciting players necessarily. And in front of that, you've got Stephen McGinn, who's again an experienced player in this division. So we've suddenly got a spine where you go, you know, I, I've made a bold prediction, which will no doubt get dredged up, that we'll concede less than 20 goals this season. Okay. I don't, I don't think we'll be the most exciting in terms of scoring goals, but I can see a lot of clean sheets. Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of maybe down to that, those four guys. Any any kind of like youngsters that might be kind of breaking through um like from the youth system um that you, you might expect to see a bit of an impact this season. The obvious one is Ennis Cameron, who's um, mm-hmm. you, you'd be familiar with. Obviously, spent he was on loan at Air in the first half of last season, and then more successfully at Aloha in the yeah. second part. He played a few games for Kelly before that, but he's kind of started this season as our well, basically our only striker. So there's a lot to like about his game. He's obviously a big, tall Kelly striker, so he's going to be like um, kind of compared to Chris Boyd, which is obviously a lot of pressure to have put on any player. Um, but I think in front of goal, he's still struggling. He's maybe he could do with finishing a few more chances but his link-up play has been really good I think mm. he'll be re- I, I don't mean replaced I think we'll bring in we're, we're planning to bring in another forward who'll maybe be the bigger name who'll start you know once once he comes in but I think in terms of our young players coming through it's, it's Cameron in terms of our from our from our youth system well, kind of turning to Cali Thistle I mean what, what are your thoughts on the kind of the, the Dodds appointment and, and maybe some of our our summer uh, transfer dealings did anyone kind of maybe catch your eye um, you know like Billy Mackay Michael Gardine someone like that yeah, so, so I'll start with uh, Dodds. I think I didn't have high hopes, I would say, for the appointment. I've, al- I've always kind of had a bit of a soft spot for Inverness. I quite, I've always kind of quite liked, liked the club. And, um, you know, I'd, it's a team who I would like to be in the top flight with, if you know what I mean. Um, and Dodds just didn't ever strike me as a manager. He strike me as a really good guy, a good coach. Um, yeah. But putting him in charge seemed like a bit of a gamble. Um, and especially I, I know with the, the Cove Rangers game in the cup when he came out it was uh, slightly concerning comments after the game about um, yeah not, 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 not having worked in the defence yeah <laughs> um, but I know that obviously you've won, won your first two games and the defence seems to have been alright in, in those so maybe a little bit more positive about your chances as I say I, if I'm honest there was there was three teams I was really worried about this season which were um, Dunfermline, Wraith and Partick Thistle um, with probably Hamilton, just because you didn't know what to expect from them behind that. However, um, three of those four teams are already five points behind us, um, yeah. and, and Inverness are obviously one of the teams who are, um, who are right up there with Kelly. And so I have my doubts about whether Inverness can last the distance, but at the same time, you're a team that knows what you're doing at this level. You you always seem to you know be up there. And even without Dodds, I think there's enough... Sorry, even if, even if Dodds is maybe a downgrade from Robertson, I think there's probably enough enough experience hanging around and things like that. You mentioned Mackay and Gardine. Gardine in particular, he had a really un- unsuccessful loan spell with us um, years ago when he was at, when he was at Dundee United. He spent a season with us. Um, he played played pretty much every game and barely scored a goal or did anything of note. Although, interestingly, um, several years later, Chris Boyd named his like, best team of teammates that he played with at Kelly and put Gardine as his partner. All right. Um, which I thought was very interesting considering some of the, the other guys he's played with. Um, so so Boyd obviously appreciated him in terms of, you know, creating chances and things like that. But Gardine, I think, um, I think has been fantastic for County in the last few years. I was surprised to see him leave there, to be honest. I thought he still had it in him at the top flight level. Um, so he's definitely a standout. And, and likewise with Mackay, I think he could... He's not maybe 
match the heights in terms of goal scoring, but at this level again, I would expect them to do very well. So they, I mean, they're two obvious standout players. I think like that. Um, yeah, I think I think looking at the Inverness squad, it's quite a, there's quite a strong core of players. There's maybe just not for from my for me looking at it, there doesn't necessarily look to be a lot of depth there, which would be maybe what I'd be um, concerned about. Anything. Yeah, we'll be relying on um, Kirk Broadfoot, who I'm sure obviously you're quite familiar with. Yeah, I was yeah. going to I was going to mention him. I, I thought <laughs> I would. Uh, 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 he, he was one of my favourite players for a long time at Kelly. Um, I he he came in and I think Lee McCulloch obviously signed him originally, and I think a lot of folk thought it was an old pals act, and he didn't start that well under McCulloch. But then when Steve Clark took over the the back, the, well, the centre half pairing him and Stuart Finley was was excellent. I can barely think of a better pairing, and he was always a much better footballer than folk gave him credit for. Used the ball really well, um, willing to take responsibility on the ball, dribble out from the back, all that sort of stuff. And he had two really good years under Steve Clark, and then when he came back, he obviously went away, didn't didn't like Alessio's methods and left for St Mirren, but then bought his way back. I think he paid his own transfer fee of like seven or eight grand or whatever it was to come back to Kelly. Okay. Um, said he was, you know, that said that was it. He was going to, he said he was going to retire at St Mirren when he went there, and then he said he was going to retire at Kelly when he, I mean, and maybe you'll hear something similar. <laughs> um, but the last six months of last season were an unmitigated disaster for Broadfoot, but that was a level above. I have no doubt that he will be making going to great lengths to noise up our support because he did it. Um, he did it to St Mirren fans and the Rangers fans when he played for us. So I'm sure it will be the same, um, the same again. And I expect big performances from him against Kelly, but across the season, I'm not sure. Um, I yeah. think his legs might get found out because he's he's a he's fit, but. He seems to he seems to have really dropped off a cliff kind of halfway through last season. So uh, he's an interesting one. I think he seems to have done all right from what I can gather so far. But um, that's a, that's a definitely an interesting one. Is there a particular favourite match in the two sides from from your perspective? I think when Inverness said they're a year down in the championship um, under Butcher, and I'm sure they came to Rugby Park in the Scottish Cup that season, and it was when Jimmy Calderwood had just taken over at Kelly. Okay, and I think we won maybe one or two now and. The Inverness fans, there was only maybe, you know, like 50, 60 of them there, but they were the um, just constantly singing, Jimmy says I to a Kelly pie. Yeah. And I just remember <laughs> it. It's just like one of these things that have stuck in my head. And I think it's what I like about Inverness. I would say, obviously, it's one of the longest journeys from, from Kilmarnock to Inverness that there is. Um, and I think both sets of fans don't necessarily travel in huge numbers to the opposite game, but for whatever set of away fans are there, you, you know, they, they definitely make the most of it. Um, yeah. Whether it is like 50 or 60 or 100 or 200 or whatever it is, Inverness fans there, they're, they're noisy and they they, they make, make a lot of noise. And so it's always been a fixture that I've kind of looked forward to. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what whether that's changes in the championship or whether it's, you know, you know the same. Fair to say, you probably got yourselves maybe down as, as you know, winners. Who would you maybe see competing for the playoff spots and who do you think are likely to be relegation fodder from the league? I said I was worried about Partick Thistle. I'm still quite worried about them because I think yeah. McCall knows how to um, how to run a team in this league and I think yep, he definitely. will he will get them into the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. So we've got a good group of players and, and they've got they'll, if they'll have money to um, bolster in January as I would hope we will. Um, whereas, you know, someone like Wraith Rovers who may have a good squad they probably are, are a bit tied up there. I think Wraith and Dunfermline are still the other two that I, I immediately see as being the, the playoff teams. I just think um, 
Wraith, I look at the, they're probably quite similar to Inverness and in I look at their squads and, and there's a lot of good players in the first team, but maybe a lack of depth. So for either, I think Wraith or Inverness could be the, the one. It's like if, if they get some injuries, they'll fall away, but otherwise it might be those two battling it out for the final playoff place. Hamilton Aki's, I think they've actually signed quite well recently. Josh Mullen was a great addition, but yes, yes. there's a bit of turmoil there and they've got some absolutely, as they had in the Premiership, some absolutely terrible players and um, they're still there. Uh, Queenly South I was quite impressed with um, when we played them, but probably won't have enough about them. As for the bottom, um, and I'm not just saying this, I think I think here United look absolutely dreadful. Um, they, they look poor against us. They've looked poor in, in highlights when I've seen other games of them. I It would be nice if we won the league and they finished bottom in the same season. <laughs> um, otherwise, I think I think Morton are better than I thought. So you're really looking at our both and our both have got a better manager than, yep. than they are. So if I was tipping now, I would tip here to finish bottom. It might depend on how long how long Hopkins gets, if he's how long he gets to do do the damage to, to send yeah, him that way. How many more Morton players yeah. he can sign as well. Yeah, exactly. Final thing then uh, for you, Craig, can you tell us an interesting fact about Kilmarnock that most of us are not going to know? So I guess we're recording this on the day that uh, St. Johnston play Galatasaray in the second leg. Again, that might date this for yep. when it comes out two weeks two weeks from now. Um, <laughs> so I guess it's that Kelly uh, played Real Madrid in the European Cup um, and on, oh, okay. on their way to winning it and had a 2-2 draw at Rugby Park. Uh-huh. So that's kind of, um, I thought, an interesting fact. It's kind of lost in the... The history of time and actually I, f- I think I'm correct in saying we were we were like level at half time in the away leg as well where we were certainly we were in that game we were at 1-1 at some point I think we got beat 5-1 eventually out in the the Bernabeu but I went there about 10 years ago more than 10 years ago now and in their kind of because they went on to win it that season so in their um in their museum they've got the kind of the run to the final so there's like Kilmarnock written in the Real Madrid museum <laughs> which I think is quite a quite a nice uh, a nice piece of history to have um, not that we're obviously we're obviously quite some distance away from them at the moment Craig Anderson there um, really good of him to speak to us he's obviously one of the superstars from the Terrace podcast um, but he talked very favourably about ourselves and he much like when we talked to Joel Sked last season actually he seemed very confident about going straight back up so yeah, definitely. Um, the, th- the thing with Craig is like he um, he knows a lot about football and and he always backs up his comments, you know, really well. I think, so, I think you'll find we all know a lot about football as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so and, and, he, and he pointed out, you know, when we were chatting to him, you know, he didn't want to be kind of mistaken for being arrogant or anything. I, I think that, that, that there's a lot of reason for Kamarnik fans to be confident. You know, Tommy Wright's an excellent manager. As he said, he's he's probably the best manager in the league. I think if we still had Robbo, I think we could maybe make an argument for Robbo being as good as Wright potentially. Um, but they, they've made some good signings, and perhaps similar to what Dodds is trying to do with us at the minute, they're, they're, he's obviously right. He's obviously trying to improve the defence. If you have a solid goalkeeper and a solid you know back four or whatever in front of them, then the rest of the team will just kind of carry on from there. Um, and they seem to have, you know built a really solid spine. Um, of, of that side and you know you, you've got quality players there in the likes of Naismith, Polworth obviously you know the evergreen you know Chris Burke as um, we mentioned uh, in that chat but they are a really solid team and I think they're rightly probably favourites for, for, for the championship title. What I kind of picked up on was was that confidence with with very kind of clear justification for it and it's actually made me feel a little bit less kind of hopeful about this game 
you know, having kind of listened to their game against Air, I didn't think they sounded all that great. Um, apart from Chris Burke, who just seemed to absolutely run the show. And you're kind of hoping that maybe he could just pick up a wee niggly injury for the 28th. That'd be lovely. Um, and I was going to think, well, the rest of them sound fairly uninspired. Um, but actually, the way he talked about the solidity of the spine that they've got, really good defence, um, quality in midfield and Stephen McGinn, you just think, oh, well, maybe actually. And he, he suggested that they dominated pretty much all their games so far, and he's seen them all. So I'm yeah. going to think they sound like they're going to be a very, very hard team to break down. Um, I watched the um, air game on the telly, and, and they absolutely dominated it. You, you would take a nil-nil straight away, except for the fact that we're going to be there. And I really want that kind of... Um, that experience of of us of us scoring and scoring a meaningful goal as opposed to Cove, where we scored a goal in the last minute, which you know I was almost pissed off about because it made the result look less shite and it was it wasn't we weren't worthy of scoring in that game. This game, you really want us to you really want us to put one away, at, at, you know, when it's nil nil or one nil. Both, both teams could conceivably go into this having not conceded a goal in three matches, three mm-hmm. matches. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if we, if, if we go into it like that and it, it's kind of both teams to nine points, there'll be a real kind of build-up to it. And, you know, Kilmarnock got a great support, I think, for the air game. They probably won't take quite as many for us, but if they're sitting there in the top of the league, then they're probably going to have a bit of momentum about it. So you could have a, a crowd of, you know, four or 5,000 or whatever. And a really, well, no, really we don't want... Well, I don't know what the restrictions are. We, like, we're all planning... Well, three of us are planning on going, going to this game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is the first proper away game season. This will be the first game... I will have been at since February 2020, and I'm more excited than Malky Mackay at a Britain First rally. You know, this is <laughs> this is it for me. You know, um, okay. Saturday the fourth uh, of what September? Are we, in? are we into the Challenge yep. Cup against Bucky Thistle? A good ding dong against Spiders side last season, but the SPFL didn't even bother playing the final that we got to. So why should we bother with it? Tell me why we should bother with this because of the, the possibility of an absolutely terrifying reverse here. Have you seen their start to the season in the Highland League? It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I only follow Clark and Fort William results. Right, okay. Well, they've played three games, 5-0 against Lossiemouth, 4-0 against Tariff, 10-0 against Keith. So they've scored 19, conceded none. They're obviously like at the top of the league. They beat Brechin, who've also got 100% Highland League record in the Challenge Cup, um, despite going down to 10 men. Um, so, I mean, they're actually looking like, you know, by far the strongest team in, in the Highlands at the moment. Yeah, you know, ourselves um, kind of uh, excluded from that. I, I, uh, I care about this one because it's not a Colt team and it's not some like, you know, garbage Welsh or Irish team who really couldn't <laughs> give a toss about this tournament. So I'm happy that we're at least playing like a Scottish side, basically. Um, I think it's going to be quite interesting what Billy Dodds does here because when Robbo was in charge, it's not like he shuffled the entire pack. Obviously, we don't have a big squad to be able to do that. But he did tend to, you know, bring in maybe three or four players who weren't who were on the fringes of starting eleven to come in for a game. So I do wonder if, you know, we talked earlier about how, you know, will we see Billy Mackay playing? This could be a game where we actually see Billy Mackay start and see how he might fit into like Dodds' system. Maybe the likes of Wallace Duffy, Cameron Harper come back in for some game time just to kind of keep them ticking over. Anthony McDonald as well, perhaps. So I think I think we'll see a few changes for this. And hopefully it will be, um, you know, strong enough to come out on top. But they ran us close in the game. Was it in the, was it in the Scottish Cup last season? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking anything for granted here. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Saturday the 11th uh, of September. Partick Thistle at home. Uh, fingers crossed, my first home game of the season, if I can manage to take a two-year-old on a train for the first time. And talking about um, childish individuals prone to tantrums and shitting themselves, an opportunity to once again see Ian McCall. 
yeah, I'm probably more nervous about this game than the Kilmarnock one, mainly because I'm hopeful we can get a point against Kilmarnock. If we can get a win, great. But th- th- this is one where you kind of think, you know, the team that's just come up, you know, we're at home, we should be looking to win. But then you throw in the Jobby McCall factor and he just had our number, you know, in like um, in recent games. You know, we've not beaten them at home um, in like, was it like the last seven games or something? We've got one win at home against them in the last seven. You know, we, I talked in the um, a couple of pods ago about, you know, liking potential signing of someone like Kyle Turner. Um, unfortunately, he's gone to Park Thistle. They've picked up Scott Tiffany as part of an exchange deal with Livingston, who um, got Penrice. And they've also picked up Boo, Cammy Smith. Penrice, Boo, Penrice. <laughs> and, they, and they've also picked up <laughs> Cammy Smith, who seems to have cut short his, um, you know, like journey in, uh, to the US and that, much to the annoyance of Air fans. And as we turn to Scotland already, so you know they, they've got some good players there. And obviously with, with the McCall factor, th- th- this is a huge banana skin for us. I think yes. a huge, huge banana skin. What I would say is though, imagine if we get if we do get a good result here. You know, if if we can maybe get a draw against Kamarik and beat Partick Thistle at home. I, I think we can really start to get excited about what, what the team could maybe do this season. Okay, Saturday the 18th of September, Dunfermline away, Legends Bar is open, one of the best bar setups in any ground in Scottish football. Uh, welcoming fans, easy to get, you know, to get to wherever you are in the country, and Peter Grant cannot keep his back door shut. You know, already after just a few games, it's already got some other fans kind of wondering. I mean, Peter Grant wasn't a, a really popular appointment anyway, but a few of them are already kind of starting to think, you know, what is this guy doing? He's, you know, as with any new manager, he's got his own ideas and stuff, and he switched to a back three, and, and Dunfermline haven't kept a single clean sheet in any of their competitive games this season. Um, you know, players are being played out of position. You've got Aaron Comrie, arguably one of the best right backs in the division, being played as a centre back. For some inexplicable reason, Dom Thomas, you know, a really good on, a, on his day, a really good um, winger, he's been played in centre midfield for yeah. some bizarre reason. Graham Dorans hasn't done much at all so far. Um, I mean, if Grant can somehow get things sorted out, then yeah, Dunfermline could be a threat. I mean, after all, his Alwa side, as we said before, played some really good football. But but right now, he's he's, he's not doing very well. And you know, there's obviously a wee bit to go before this game. You know, we've got basically a month or so. Um, but if he doesn't really get things turned around, I think he'll be pretty confident maybe taking a few points here. Whatever happens, absolutely buzzing to, go, uh, to get back to matches again. We've, we've covered every single one of the, the pay-per-view games over the last season. Uh, we've analysed them all, but now the shufflers are going back to the matches. The analysis might be a little more hazy. Uh, I am going to the pub before, and I am going to the pub after the games, and there is nothing you or my wife can do about it. And no, she does not listen to the pod. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, BT's Pizzas, Judith's City, Farland Park, the Library, Spectrum Centre, Mulgy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre, Matalan. Ryan Christie, Liam Poworth, Dan Mackay, Cameron Harper, Roddy McGregor, and the recent conveyor belt of Highland talent keeps on coming with Lewis Hyde and Ryan Fife making first team appearances recently. Added to that, youth players Ethan Cairns, Robbie Thompson, Lewis Nicholson, Alistair Riddle and Harry Herrim all receive professional contracts this season. So what does the future have in store for these young boys and what's happened behind the scenes in terms of youth development? We spoke with Under-18's coach and Cali goalkeeping hero, Ryan S. Before talking to coaching, Ryan, 10 years as a, as a goalkeeper, obviously, way back in... 2008 Hereford we signed you and uh was it Terry it signed you know it was before Terry came in wasn't it um came up in August. Yeah. it How- was uh, Craig Brewster uh I 
Stuart Garden at the time had spoken to Drew Jarvie, who had me at Aberdeen, and he recommended me. Uh, I was at Queen of the South, funnily enough, when the gaffer was was there. It was Gordon Chisholm, it was the manager. And, uh, I'd went to them and says, look, I've been here for two weeks and Carly's come in. What's your situation? Then I ended up, uh, Craig Brewster phoned us up and I just went, right, okay. You're at Aberdeen, Ryan, you must have... As a young boy, you must have been there with like Stuart McCaffrey um, and Russell, all those boys coming through, yeah? We was, uh, at that age group, our 18s, there were so many boys came through. It was it was unbelievable, yes. Stuart was signed from Hibs, so he was going to come through my 18s, but ones that were like here was like Phil Maguire. You know, he was at my age group and he played for my 18s. It was... Uh, Somebody else, Kevin McNaughton, it came up and played. He was in my 18s, obviously. Dad and Mackey as well, I'd imagine. Daz was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All these boys, we were all sort of similar age group. They were slightly younger, but we had Derek Young, Derek Young, Chris Clark, Russell Anderson was sort of just finishing the 18s there. Who else? It was Boulder, but it was boys that sort of didn't make it in the Premier League here, but had a decent career. So my 18s team, we won the league two years in the bounce, so we were a good team. And then obviously the first season you come up, we get relegated. And then, but in hindsight, as we know, it's probably the best thing that happened to the team. You know, it's it's that great campaign when the likes of Johnny Hayes comes in, Adam Rooney starts to score goals, and then we, we, we also win the league. But looking over your 10 years, I mean, I know you were talking about the cup final, um, but is there any other highlights at that time that you can pinpoint, or was it just a great time? Uh, it's been so many, but... That year, is pro- that's been my best year in football. But like that year we got promoted, uh, I managed to play every single game. I was only one of the whole squad that played every single game that year. Uh, we, we kept so many clean sheets. I think in total, including the cup games, it was something like 24. And I remember saying to Roy McBain, I went to his just before Christmas and everybody in that room was like, oh, well, don't know what it's going to be like. And I says, I think... I think we'll get promoted. And they're like, what? I says, I'm te- we've got a squad here that I don't think anybody can match us. If we get a run of games, we'll catch Dundee. And at that point, obviously, we were 15 points behind right. Dundee. There's one particular game that stands out. It was the Wraith Rovers here. Aye. Richie Foringal. Overhead kick. Now, Richie will never score a goal like that again. But uh, in terms of we'd win so many clean sheets, I think it was five before that. And we did feel a little bit invincible. And then they scored in the first two minutes, Wraith. And then we went up 3-1, thinking, well, we're in cruise control now. And then they come back 3 all, And then to score in the last minute, that's probably... It'll stick with me for a while. And I know, because it was in the 96th minute, that Wraith would have been coming in, looking at the, the scores and thinking, yes, they've dropped two points. And then all of a sudden we go and get a goal in the 96th minute. And I think Dundee's just then, I think that's when we'd win a league. Let's talk about now, nowadays. How are, you, how are you enjoying being a goalkeeping coach, firstly? Um, we'll talk about under-18s a little bit later, but how are you enjoying that, that job, first and foremost? I've enjoyed it since I've taken over and I've seen the progress. So, so many goals, progress. Even that Daniel Holbin's not here, Martin's not here, but the progression that, like, Stevie Foster... They were all my goalies that I coached from the age of 12 to 13 years old when they first started. To see them progress and get a chance to be full-time footballers, for me, is that's that's really good. 
for them to get that and for one of them to, to come right through the academy and make his debut, which we had two of them because we had Daniel Hogan as well, mm-hmm. it, for me, is is brilliant. You can, I, and it's and it's not, look, it's not down to me. It's down to them. It's because I only tell them, like, what they should be doing. I try and show them the best I know. Mm-hmm. It's up to them to do it. So... It's it's them. It's it's embraced what we're trying to do. It's having a good number two, like Cammy. Obviously, mate, Mark performed better in the training pitch, and then obviously in a game at the weekends, having a strong number two behind him. Well, it's got to be. I, I see this as people say this to me. I don't like common. I know. I know you don't like common number twos. Yeah. No, I, 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 we never view them as that. So yeah. uh, I know what what they can't both can and can't do. Look, Mark has earned his right. He's been in the top two goalies in this championship for the last three years so he's earned his right to be starting for us but it doesn't mean to say that Kami is not there ready uh, to step in given the opportunity he's he's played against you've seen him Sterling Albion he made really big save at the end he's he's right there behind Mark ready to go but then you see him Mark's put in performance as well. We played really well against Cove, although we didn't get the result that we wanted. Mm. And then he plays really well against Hearts. And then he's, he, we're just trying to say, look, just be steady. We just need you to be steady. Two clean sheets. And that's that's down to the team. It's not down to Mark Ridgers, but he's oh, played a part as well. Yeah, so it's like credit needs to go to everyone, but also him. Looking at... The transition under 18s coaching staff with I think maybe Barry Wilson at the time. How was that sort of change for you? Obviously, being a specialised goalkeeping coach for a while, um, and then going to being a more generalised coach was that an easy transition, or did you find it difficult to begin with? It was quite funny because we go in and try to get my UEFA A goalkeeping license. I uh, you have to go and get your outfield B license. I cannot go in that course until I've done that. So I went we. Who was there? It was, it was me, Scott Kelp, Richie. Oh, it was six of us, I think Dave Raven, Carl Tomarco, and Gary Warren. And so we, we spent a bit of time together going on our B license. Yes. And it was just when I was on my B license, I was I spent a bit of time coaching under 15s, under 14s, 15s. I'd went down and practiced before I'd went down. And then and people just says, Why don't you do the outfield stuff? And obviously, I was at the opinion going, well, you're a goalkeeper and a goalkeeping coach. I don't think people will take you serious. And they just went, nah, you should be you should be doing it. So then there was an opportunity came up because it was full-time boys at the football club. And because I was trying to do the outfield stuff, I think it was nine to ten boys left over. It was like uh, Ali Stark and... It was Andy McRae. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Ah, there was about nine of them left over. So I just says, look, can I take them? I says, I'll go out and train in the morning with the first team boys and, and then take them out in the afternoon. So I was going to train and coming back and taking them. Mm-hmm. And I'd done that for a year until I stopped playing. The club had decided to take in this group, this group that had won the league before, which I'd, I'd taken them at 14, 15 year old. So the boys already knew me. Plus, I was going down taking the, the goalies on a, on a Wednesday night. And I was also shouting at these kids, like, just trying to banter them as you do. And uh, 
they were coming up full time and I and Baz had been taken in to take them, but they needed somebody to say, look, do you want to go along and do all the ga- all the games with them? And I says, most definitely, I want to keep this going. But what I will say is, I try and take, I would, I try and train them harder because I've got to have them re- fitter than first team boys. Mm-hmm. No point in them coming in here and then the manager goes, they can't, they haven't got the fitness to do this. So yes. I, I try and look at it, that side of it. I try you and also say, need to manage the parents side of things, Ryan, at that age as well. As what, what I've tried to do is be open as honest with all of them. I have try to have at least two meetings a year, probably three, just to go over things, especially when you're beginning a season. You don't tell them your football philosophy, but this is a club philosophy. This is what we're, this okay. is what we're trying to em- embed into the players. Now, some of it's maybe life skills, not only not only football skills, but if you give them an outline of what you're thinking is, a lot of them just say, right, that's, you've been honest with us and they accept it. Because if, if I've got 21 players, I can, I can only pick a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Is guys not, that got training not play. And I've got to be honest, like mm-hmm. with the parents and the players saying, look, you might not get a lot of game time. And a lot of the times when you're coming to the ages that I'm taking, they don't want to listen to their parents. You know, they're, they're sort of, they're against them. So I'm aware of that. But if I can make their parents aware of what a week should look like for an under-18 player at this football club, and I give it in a presentation, I also send it out, then it also makes them more aware of where, what their kids should be doing no. in that particular day. And it's a heavy load on them. And I, I say to them, I know you've got schooling. And it's one of the first things I say, you have to try and fit this in along with your schooling because it's so important. Because football's not a, it's not a forever. You know, it's a, it's really, really short. If you're lucky and you're lucky like me, touch where I have, I've managed to get into coaching. Mm. But a lot of the time, guys then get released there's nothing you can do for them. You can you can put their name out and you do CVs, but a lot of the time it's that's you finished. You're going to need to go and try and get a job and stuff like that. And that reality is hard to deal with for them. Sometimes the parents, and it's hard for us as well as a club. Don't get us wrong. We we try and make that pathway as, as smooth as possible. If if there's not a place here, and because of finances, that there's there's not obviously that many opportunities that what there has been in the past. Probably Grant Monroe was probably the last home uh, Indonesian-born player that made it to the team. And then we had a couple of dry years, and that was obviously through Terry's rebuilding. But then the likes of Liam Polworth and Ryan Christie come through. Do you use those boys as a sort of a barometer to say to these young boys in the 18s and the 16s, this is what you can achieve? Did we use those boys as poster boys? Or is that maybe putting too much pressure on them? No, it's not only them. There's Shinny, there's Nick Ross that, that come, you know. So there's there's boys there, you use an example of saying, well, and I can use them because I obviously played with Shinny and played with these boys and I know what they, they've done to get through it. They're, they're doing their picking up boys' socks and pants and washing them when when we were in the first division, Nick and uh, Shinny, you say this is how they got to where they got to by this. Now, it's not saying that they'd done everything right, but, and then now you've got a group of boys like Roddy McGregor, Cammy Harper, 
Uh, you had Dan McKay, and then you got boys like Pfeiffer and Harry. How personally pleasing is it for you to see that and seeing young boys not just come into the team, but also make an impact as well? They're coming towards their potential. Now, I don't think they've hit it yet, and I think they've got a lot of work to do it, and even Dan McKay has. But see, when they're coming through and you watch them and you think, oh, they've got a chance. And then some boys just, just sort of don't get there for for what some reasons is they just can't deal with full-time football. It's just a little bit too much for them. But these boys are starting to fulfil their potentials and they've, they've got a long way to go. But as I said, it's for me, it's great to see. I say to them, embrace it. Look, it's people go to be negative towards them. There always, there always is in football. It's opinions. It's an opinionated game. You have to accept that. But it says, for us, we know you. So come and speak to us if you need some help. We've been in different situations. So I'm hoping that they do that. If they, if they do come a little bit what unstuck in what they want to do. But most of the time, they're quite level-headed players. So mm-hmm. I've not got too much worries about Lewis Hayes still there, and also we know about the Harry Nicholson, Lewis Nicholson, and then also younger boys like Ali Riddle and Harry Henham, but they're all, I think they're all loan. I think Harry's went to Elgin. Is that a good thing for you guys? Obviously, you like seeing the guys around the club, but going out, playing first-team football, playing with men, and then maybe using Dan McKay as, a, as maybe a, a reference point, because obviously he had, a, he had a year at Elgin, didn't he, before he came back. So is that is that a positive step for these boys to go out to? Yeah, it was Dan. There's Graham Shinnick went to Forest when he was coming yeah. through. So it was uh, there is there's always for us. What's the pathway? What's because we don't have that what under twenties or reserve sort of area. There's always this grey area for us. Is do we send them out in loan or can they play here? So what we're saying is right now your development is you you have to go and play like, one against men, but two. It needs to really mean something. So if you if you're going to a team, maybe it's clear you still need to win that win that game. So there's a pressure on you now. There's pressure and there's repercussions if you don't. But is there a, is there a, maybe a philosophy like right, I'm I'm going to send certain boys to Brora or to Nairn because they play a certain way, or do you have to think right they, they don't play this way, so I don't want to send them there because it will totally change their philosophy of how. You want them to play when they come back? There's no harm in them going out and learning a different style and a different way of playing. Now, if that leads into them coming back and they go to a habit that we're viewing as a bad habit, it's up to us to notice that and rectify it. So it's not as though they're going away there and they're, they're training there all week and all of a sudden it's a it's a full-time loan. It's, they're there, they'll train once a week, playing a Saturday. So it's up to us to, one watch their games and recognise what they're doing and two, just to keep the habits that they've gotten this far and try to obviously build in that habits and keep on top of it. It's up to us to do that. It's, it's, yeah. it's we'll monitor that situation. It's not like we're right at shoes out and loud. We're not going to keep coaching. No, that's, that's not the end of the day. It's, it's not our job to do that. Our job is to, to progress them. And we're saying your progression is we want you to play every Saturday and we want you to try and be adaptable as you can. So if we play out there and say we think a team's got to play a four at the back and they've got to play 4-4-2, but all of a sudden they spring a 3-4-3 on us, you have to be adaptable. One, we need to be adaptable as coaches, but two, as players, you might need to problem solve on the pitch yourself. Mm-hmm. So going out and learning these things and sometimes going out 
a team that's not doing so well is maybe the best thing because you might need to do stuff without the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, if we go, if we want to go to where we want to go as a club, we're going to, need to go to Parkhead and Ibrox and Patoji and Easter Road and Tankers, whatever, and be good without the ball because that's that's what majority of the time you will be. So to learn that maybe at this young age and they might not like it, they might want to say, oh, well, I'm not getting the ball, I'm doing this, I'm running, might be the best thing for them. You've, you've had to adapt as coaches, I imagine, obviously with John being in last season, him and Scott going away for a little while and then Neil coming in. Has that been easy, difficult in between? How's, how's it been the last uh, 10, 12 months? I always view these things as a positive because you, one, have to adapt to something new. You need to, And we needed to find out very quickly what Neil was wanting. So uh, it was, you have to you have to do this. There's no point in saying, oh, well, I'm not too happy. No, let's get this done. What do we want? How do we do this as a football club? And then we knew it was just going to be till the end of the season. So that was okay. And then once, once we'd worked with the gaffer, the now gaffer, I'm yeah. not going to call him by his name because I'll get into trouble. <laughs> I, I knew him from a young boy at Aberdeen anyway, and I, I've known him in terms of how hard he worked because fitness-wise, unbelievable as a player, like, in terms of that. So uh, I knew what he would want in terms of how hard he would want his teams to work. He laid out exactly what he was looking for from me and the two goalies. We had quite a long discussions and what the expectation was where are the goalies and... Long discussions on what he expects from his team. So I'm there to help in any way or form because at the end of the day, we've all got a common goal. And it's not the coaching staff versus the player. It's not the 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 office staff versus anybody. It's the club. Ryan Essen there, somebody who you know has played multi- multitude of games for the for the club. Uh, done done so much, won so much, won a Scottish Cup and won a, a league championship. But it's someone you know that we've, we've never really heard heard from over the years, and he's obviously got a lot to say. Uh, I think we've even got a longer edit that we might even put out uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, that sounded like it was you know pretty eye opening on the whole there, Riley. Yeah, he's 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 been there a long time, and he's 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 obviously been a goalkeeping coach and. Yeah, being hard being a goalkeeping coach and a player at the time as well and being a number two, it must be hard obviously coaching a player to essentially, you know, take your position. But yeah, he thrived on it and then the passion show talking about the young guys and he's also got a, an attachment to goalkeepers, talked about Daniel Hoban and those guys that have been in the past and Cammy McKay currently there with Mark. But yeah, he's got a real passion working with youngsters and stuff and I think that comes through and also we're reaping the balls of it now with the also, the previous couple of years, um, 17s and 18s that are, are now in the first team. But, yeah, it was good to good to chat to him. Yeah, one of the things I, I really liked about the way he spoke was how much he's obviously thought about what the players are sort of experiencing at that time in their lives and the sort of challenges and the way he, he has to maybe take on a an almost in local parentis role, you know, um, of kind of making sure that they've got the right values and they do the right things. He kind of said at their age, a lot of them, they want to do the opposite of what their parents tell them and, 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 you know, they're just not into kind of authority and it's a challenge for him to make sure that they do 
um, get into the right habits uh, and kind of have the discipline to be able to succeed as players, you know. And I thought there was a real kind of sense from having thought about the kind of yeah. the psychological and pastoral aspects of the role as well as just the, the basic training thing. I thought that was really impressive. I must admit, I, I can't see too much. I don't know enough about, you know, the kind of the coaching that he does to see too much on that on that side. But, I mean, I, I can only see that as, you know, a, a potential benefit, having someone like that. You can, you can poke fun of him, at himself, have a bit of a laugh, and just, you know, be quite grounded around, you know, everyone else that he works with. And, and of, all, of, all the, sorry, of all the goalkeepers we've had, does he have the, does he have the best chant? Oh yeah, the the, the constant Ryan S, yeah, nonstop. Yeah. He, he always seemed to like it. I think actually, well, I mean, a football memories. I think there was a preseason friendly against Elgin. I think it was when when me and a couple of pals started doing that. And his reaction was, "Jesus Christ, not you guys again." <laughs> How many? Just, I mean, goalkeepers don't get chance though, do they? <laughs> no, not really. So there you go. I think that shows you how how such high esteem that he's held in actually. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. Competition time. Ladies and gentlemen, forget about Andy Peters in it to win it, Tom Cowan's terracing teaser, or even Ken Bruce's Ken Bruce's popmaster. It's real competition time. It's the Wine Shuffles comp ICT edition time. Okay, we've given away Aaron Doran's shirt, we've given away Sean Welsh's shirt, and now it's time to announce the winner of Scotland Under 21 and Hibs superstar Dan Mackay's Inverness Caledonian Thistle home shirt from last season. So without further ado, over to Andrew Sutherland, who once again has fueled the tombola out of his spare room cupboard, dusted off the cobwebs, peeled off the crusty underwear and filled it with scraps of paper with your names upon scrawled in crayon. Over to you, Drawmaster. Thank you for that wonderful intro, I really appreciate yeah, it. And remember, um, build the suspense, keep it building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, obviously, thanks to everyone who retweeted, who liked, who followed the pod and everything. Um, you know, good, good response to that. Um, there's a cracking prize. It's one that I must admit I was quite tempted to get involved in as well. But um, I thought it would be a bit unfair if I drew my own name. But um, fortunately for um, the lucky person, the winner is... <laughs> Alistair Bain. Congratulations, Alistair. Um Give us a wee message on Twitter and we'll get you sorted out with getting this uh, this trip sent off to you. So congratulations, mate. Nice one. Well done. And we will not be announcing it on Twitter. You have to listen to the pod to actually win it. So if you haven't got in touch with us within a week of the pod going out, then someone else might win it. You'll be done. Anyway, um, here is a very special message from the man himself, Dan Mackay. Hi, Alistair Bain. It's Danny Mackay. Congratulations on winning my home talk from last year through the Wineish Shuffle podcast and hopefully you enjoy the talk and all the best. Okay, I'm calling this section Debate. The club recently announced the successful launch of the ICT Fans Focus Group with their first two focus group meetings being held at the end of June 
uh, and on Monday, the 2nd of August. ICTFC CEO Scott Gardner chaired both meetings with Sporting Director John Robertson and Gordon Fife, who is ICTFC SLO, uh, Joint Chair of the ICT Community Trust, also in attendance, along with representatives of the ICT Supporters Trust, the ICT Supporters Travel Club, and members of the Wine Shuffle podcast <laughs> taking part on Zoom, which took the number of participants in the group to nine. Now, I suffer uh, from the odd alcoholic blackout, guys, uh, from time to time, but I, I would think I would remember <laughs> if I had been at this meeting. Was I? Was I at this meeting? Was it a good meeting? Did I say something intelligent? Who was at the meeting? Why was it the meeting? Right, and uh, some of you were invited to this group, but let me just clarify this. Um, yeah, I think the club's press release, assuming I was on it, assumed that me and another member of the group were from the the podcast, so um, I like to correct that. It was me not representing the shuffle, which is me myself, but yeah, this is something I've been trying to advocate for years, previous boards, I think, having a, a fans forum from various demographics is always a good thing. I think this is a working forum. I don't think we're... It's ideally, it's ideally not the, the sort of representation I would like. I'd like to see some some younger fans, some older fans, some Central Belt fans like I am, maybe some fans that go every game home and away at just sub. But again, it's, it's fluid. It's, it's a working group. I think we've had two positive meeting so far um but yeah i want to stress it's not the shuffle on it it's me on it so if you see some comments from the club it's it's me not the shuffle social media suggests that the group is about getting people together who already agree on everything and just be a bunch of nodding heads rather than actually address problems that people really have an issue with the football club so uh, you know can you can you assuade them otherwise no, I, I get I get that. I've seen a few tweets. And I won't name the tweets and stuff, but I, I, I agree with some of the tweets. Well, it's, that, it's, it's understandable consideration. Yeah, if I'm not saying, I'd be the same if I wasn't in it. But yeah, as I said before, I think this it needs it needs to evolve the group. I don't think the fan group doesn't have to be the same people all the time. I think people will get different needs at different times and different problems. Different. I mean, not, not the group at the moment. There might be some good ideas that. that haven't came from us yet. Someone could come in with an idea and join it, and someone could drop out. That's where I'd like to see it. This 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 board and this chairman, they're 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 willing to listen to us more than any any previous boards and chairman that I've that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to quite a few of them. So I think you get need to tip your hat to the club that they're actually putting up an avenue. But it's not it's not a happy clapping group. Before the guys jump in, can I just ask what's top of the agenda for the group? What is right at the very top of the agenda? So fan engagement, I think, is top. I think we. We spoke about it in pods before. I spoke to members this pod offline. I don't think we capture fans' details enough. I don't think we engage with fans offline. Um, there's a lot of talk around catering, the quality of catering. There's the community trust are involved in terms of how we support local charities, how we're already doing with Helen Hospice. For me, I'm all about how we can make you and I and us four and all the fans that are listening experience it's doing better. I'd rather people spend more time at the stadium. The club would like that more, getting more money, but make it an attractive proposition. Sometimes going to stadiums is a bit of a chore. You want to get down there five minutes before the game starts and you want to be back in town five minutes after the game finishes. So it's how we make that a more attractive proposition. Uh, I don't like to call us customers at the club. You know what I mean? Fans, customers, investors, people that put money into the club. How we make the stadium a better day out. That's And also for away games is how we can increased travel uh, the, the travel club and how certain issues with travel club that certain fans won't go on and go on buses, how we can make that more appealing to some of the younger guys that maybe rely on the travel club. So there's a lot of things, but 
it's, it's, it's evolving and again, people are listening, send in your questions to the, the email address that the club's put out. DM us, we can, I, I can certainly put it on the next forum, but it's all, from my perspective, it's all about how we make the day out better and how fans have a better day out at the stadium. I think what will be quite good is if the, the focus group, as Riley says, kind of expands. Um, obviously, you know, you, we've got various different kind of um, groups, if you like, of supporters. You've got, um, you know, people with young families. You've got um, young fans who like to maybe go into town and have a few drinks with their mates and stuff, then head along. You've got slightly older um, supporters as well. Everyone's going to have different needs. So I think it's important to kind of get a, a mixed view from, you know, across the Cali Thistle supporter spectrum. So, um I would say, you know, obviously, if anyone is out there, they've, they've been made aware of this, they should absolutely be firing their questions. And it's good, definitely, that the club are um, more willing to engage. Um, I take Riley's point about them being more willing to listen, etc., than maybe previous um, setups. Um, hopefully, this, is just an, I, this isn't just another kind of, like, essentially, almost a quangle, basically, being set up with no real purpose. It's a good idea, but it needs to it needs to be implemented well, and it needs to be utilised basically if it's going to be successful. And if it's not, then you know nothing will come of it. And I hope that isn't the case. They do need to get um, uh, get looking at ways of getting more fans down to the stadium. You're talking um, about getting more fans to go down the stadium. Is it not that they should be looking after the fans that they currently have before they start trying to expand the sports? Yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And, that. and that's what I'm saying about, you know, they, they need to be looking at, like, the kind of the fan experience, you know, the, the, the folk that are sitting in the North Stand, the Main Stand, etc. you know, getting feedback from them, you know, what's good about a match day? What do you not like? What would you like to see happen, you know? Um, equally, I say they should all, I mean, we have lost a lot of fans, um, you know, since our relegation from the Premiership. We need to do, we, we need to kind of do both things. You can't do one or the other. I think you need to do, you need to look after your current kind of, like, set of customers, if you like, your, your current supporters and also look at ways of bringing more supporters back you know their former ones or attracting new ones altogether when Scott Gardner came on this podcast last summer we asked him what he thought of the fan experience and his one word to sum up the fan experience at the club that he works for was grim he said the supporters experience at the stadium is grim mm-hmm. right in the last couple of months I've seen that United are setting up a community hub at Somerset which will include a bar which will include outside seating, right? Dundee United are doing the same. They have a shop across from Tanadice that they're turning into a supporters bar. People have seen with lockdown and COVID that the opportunities to create these sort of outdoor hubs and that are legion. There's a multitude of opportunities up there. You just, you just need to be able to find the space. And we've, talk, we've talked about having these tailgate parties and that, right? But this, this needs to come to fruition now. And I agree. And, and, and listen, I'm not going to talk about the tailgate thing. We spoke about that before. We've got the space. And I, I always like the idea of a Christmas market type set up outside the, the ground, you know, getting people down there before. But we've also got council saying no to that as well. And that's something we've explored. And I think as much as you want to say, yeah, club do this, club do that, we need help from outside resources, not just the club, you know. And, and sometimes the club will get it in the neck. But if the council say, no, you can't use that for an outdoor bar and outdoor seating, it's not the club's fault. And, and that, I think sometimes the club need to communicate that better, right? But we're looking at things like, and I, that's ideal most, that's the future, outdoor seating, beer gardens, what these other clubs are doing, but they're supported by the local council. We're not, and we need to drum into our council the amount of money we bring into the city. Even on a bad day, we're still 1,100, 1,200 people down at the stadium. We're the biggest ticket. Yeah. No one comes near us, but we don't drum it enough to the council, and they need to come back to us and say, okay, you do a lot to the city, this is what we need to do for you, and they don't. So that's some of the, the barriers that the club faces. So I'm not, I'm not kissing the club's arse, but it's not as simple as just let's build it. So yeah, no, just going back to what 
the fans group actually is, one of the things we're going to have to be sort of, I think they are going to have to be cautious of is making sure that they don't fall into the same trap that they have kind of been critical of the club of in the initial communication and the initial communications, which was, sorry, about communication. You know, there's all the stuff about one of the reasons for the fans focus group is like communication with the from the club has been poor. Um, but there are people from the supporters trust on it, for example. And then someone on Calatissal Online very reasonably pointed out that supporters trust themselves have been incredibly quiet. People don't really know what they do, where they are. All they know is that they've got voting rights, but people are sending emails to the um, to their email address and not getting any responses. Now, I'm not being critical of them there uh, per se. I don't know why those emails weren't responded to, but because this whole thing's about communication, the fans focus group needs to make sure that it maintains a sort of presence in terms of communicating with the wide variety CP support regularly about what's been discussed at those meetings, what they are doing, what their role is, so that the ICP, ICP support actually has confidence to talk to them and to kind of communicate with them and to feel like they are being represented. Look, there's been a vacuum, hasn't there? And I think the podcast that we created to have a laugh and to just talk about football is then sort of filled a, filled a little bit of a void to a certain extent. And then you're getting somebody on Twitter saying, that we're the self-appointed voice of the fans. We're, yeah. we're, we're not. We're just, we're just a podcast. But the problem is there is a vacuum. And then people mm-hmm. think that we're trying to... We're trying to... We're not. We're just a podcast. We're just trying to have a laugh, put out some, put out some interviews, you know, have a laugh talking about the games and represent our views and then sometimes other people's views as well. And it's as simple yeah. as that. I wanted to raise that, actually, because I thought, I thought that was a really interesting and quite instructive sort of tweet I think it was an absolutely reasonable point to raise as well and it, it came from the wording of the Cali Thistle Club statement which Stevie kind of has, has kind of clarified right at the start here it said that members of the Wiener Shuffle and immediately what it sounded like was members of the Supporters, supporters Trust, members of the Wiener Shuffle. Now, obviously, listeners to it know that the club have been quite good at talking to us and, and letting us, giving us access to players and stuff like that but what it makes it sound like in that statement, is that we are already sort of on side. We're already sort of in with the club. And I think that that's really sort of dangerous. And I think it was absolutely right for the supporter on Twitter, Scott, I think, to yeah. raise this, uh, this idea and question and kind of say, well, who are these guys? Are they actually just another group of people that are going to try and, um, you know, that are, that are kind of cozying up to the club? And I'd like to think that actually we will always be ready to criticise, ready to assert independence, ready to basically say, well, no, actually, you know, so I, I think, and that's something that anyone that's involved in the, in the fans group will also have to be able to do. Okay, well, the next meeting of the, uh, of, of the group is scheduled for 11am on Thursday, the 2nd of September, and any ICT supporter can submit their questions on Club Matters to the focus group by emailing your questions to admin at ictsupporterstrust.org. And we all urge you to do so. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. Mailbag. I've got a text! Andrew Sutherland's Love Cali Thistle Mailbag Island. Sir, you've dragged yourself away from the bronzed and buffed bodies of Love Island long enough to read the many messages you've received from your adoring public. 
Who are you coupling us up with this mailbag? Uh, first coupling up will be with uh, Nathan McKenzie, um, who asked, um, are Dees and Carson the answer to our fullback problem? Or should the club go out and strengthen in this area? I'd like, I don't know the answer, but how, much, how big is the problem anyway? I'd like to think they'll do until the coaches have had more time to work with Cammy Harper and Wallace Duffy. You know, are we writing them off already? I think that'd be a real shame. Um, I think Dees, in the long term, you want to see him back in the centre of defence. And Carson in midfield, although he's kind of, uh, he's got a lot of competition in there, you know, but... Harper's a really young player. You know, there's time to work with him and his defensive side is going to improve. You know what I mean? He's an excellent footballer, but he's not got that much experience of actually, you know, defending against, you know, like aggressive, fast fullbacks. And that'll come with time. And all the stuff we just don't know about. He made a few basic errors against Cove, but I don't remember that being part of his game last season. I just thought he was a bit kind of... Harper will, uh, Harper will play more games than Duffy because yeah, he probably will, will have injuries uh, and probably suspensions to the two centre-halves playing centre-half at the mm. moment. So Dees will have to shift over and then Harper will play. But I think Carson will play a lot more games than Duffy will. Yeah. We could do Duffy's a centre-half in the future, boys. I, I've said it before. I think he, he was a centre-half before a right-back. And I think they might try and modify him back to being a centre-half. Well, as well they, they might have to because the transfer window will close soon and Dodds said he's not adding any more. Uh, a similar theme. Um, Ross P slid into our DMs um, to ask, do we have a solid defence after these uh, two clean sheets? Um, or have we just been quite jammy at the back? I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's jammy. Looking at the game in sort of detail in the last twenty minutes, so both are one no wins. Broadfoot and specifically Divine were absolutely throwing the bodies on the line in the Wraith game. Divine has had almost two goal line clearances. Uh, his decision making has been absolutely superb. Um, so I would say in the case of Divine, I think it's, I think it's a guy actually coming to the peak of his career. I think he's going to have his best season as a footballer this season. And I think he'll be our best defender this season. Yeah, I think you see Divine and Broadfoot's understanding is obviously growing over the last couple of games. Uh, okay, um, Steve Houston asks, um, of the other nine championship teams, who's got the absolute worst home or away kit? I'll say Morton's home kit is up there. They went retro, but it looks like it's been made by some underage children down the road in Everclyde and Port Glasgow. It looks horrendous. Um, oh, it's, it's Morton, so it probably has. Well, exactly, and it, it looks cheap. And then I'll say race away, they went for the candy cane, Blackpool Rock type red and white stripes, and uh, nah, it looks horrendous. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, never been a big fan of Joma. I know they do a lot of teams, but nah, I've never been a big fan of their kit. I race actually, yeah, I, I picked up on that as well. They're a waste of shit. Uh, shit, sorry. There's a Freudian slip there. It looks like you know a cheap copy of a Sunderland shirt, which is running the wash and. They've got this asymmetrical collar, and it just basically looks like you know it's a manufacturing error. The other one, actually, that's really weird is the Queen of the South home top. Um, see from the front, it looks all right, and then you kind of turn it round, and at the bottom of the back of the shirt, it's just it, it's something that looks like a sort of rear spoiler, this sort of darker bit. So someone was sort of saying on, on Pine Bovril, you know, when you see it over a pair of white shorts, it makes it look like the players have shat themselves, which is. <laughs> Look, yeah. It's the stadium, isn't it? It's like a kind of a black silhouette of the stadium. Is that what it is? Yes. Moving on, uh, Lynn McDonald asks, um, what are you all looking forward to this season? Shouldn't really specify what exactly, but maybe just, I guess, with fans being back allowed into the stadiums and stuff, are you looking forward to maybe just, you know, maybe your first kind of pre-match pint, first post-match pint maybe, your first kind of pie and ball roll or just sitting in, in a seat or standing on the terrace again, you know, you know what, what in particular are you looking forward to this season? Just going to a game, 
literally, I'm I'm still waiting, having had our uh, we had a baby six weeks ago, so just just going to a game, and um, come on, it'll be literally just going to a game. So everything that 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 that, that holds, opening up at ten at ten o'clock in the morning on the train. Yeah, I alluded to it earlier, but I probably seeing my first meaningful goal. You know that that moment of seeing a goal win that either draws us level or puts us in the lead. You know that'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, and also, actually, looking forward to taking my seat at uh, TCS for the first time because I've you know I've not really been a season ticket holder before. So that'll be nice when I actually can get a This is my seat. Well, I'm 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 at Moff's said about three months down the line. So whatever Moff said, I'll be I'll be doing the same in three months' time, hopefully. Okay. Well, uh, last one then, rounding us off, uh, Simon McCarthy. Uh, Who is the angriest member of the pod, and why is it Moff? Who fucking said that? <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually say, and why is it more? No, no I, no, I just uh, had that in. I so, had that suddenly in. they've added that, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. who's the angriest member of the pod? Yeah. I, 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 I disagree. I think somebody with less hair than me would be more no. angry. You, you that's, well, that's everyone, to be fair, except uh, possibly Sof. Oh, in fact, no, it's not. It's... Uh, Ross and, Ross, and, Ross and stuff have got the same amount of hair as you, so that narrows it down to me and Riley, doesn't it? I honestly think the angriest man on the pod is Sub. Sub only ever gets angry at games. Ah, you do, Sub. I, I forget now, but not been games for so long. I, Sub does get really angry at games. Uh, uh, two words, so David, well, several words. David Carson moving to right back against Dundee United. Uh, Listen, do you, do, you, do you remember Tincastle? With a lot me, of these things are drink fueled. When you you've been, when you've been in the troll in for three hours, you know, you know when you've been trolled. <coughs> Is that the last question, Sav? Yep, that's the last one. All right. Andrew Sutherland has left the villa. <laughs> okay, before we go, we got one special, uh, special last feature for you. It is yet another competition. There is one player that I, I think we've only mentioned once in this podcast. It's been a long podcast. And he's been one of the best players this season, and we're going to give away his shirt um, with our tweet for this for this first pod, and that is the shirt of uh, this month's uh, competition prize will be last season's match worn Scott Allardyce home shirt. Like, retweet, follow, share, share. If on Instagram. Um, if you're on Instagram as well, um, if you're not on Twitter or Instagram, sorry, can't win it. But uh, yeah, you know, watch out for the tweets, it'll be out soon. Yeah, watch out for the tweet, it'll be out soon, and you can win Scott Ardice's shirt. And um, yeah, that is uh, that's all from us now. We'll be back in a few weeks after Billy Mackay has, un- has been unleashed and propelled us to wins over Killian Partick. Uh, I will have made an escape from dirty nappies and actually been at a game, and Stevie will be the only person in Scotland still watching ICTV. Um, thanks, he might uh, be a father as well. Ari might be a father as well. Uh, yep. Thanks everyone for listening. We're we're keen to engage with uh, with with more of of the supporters this season. So if you do have any ideas for the pod, get in touch. If you like to contribute anything, let us know, and we'll hopefully see you at a game or a pub over the season. And until then, it's uh, goodbye from uh, Stevie. Bye bye. Goodbye from Sav. Cheers. Goodbye from me. Why? See it. And goodbye from me. Take care of yourself and each other, and bye for now. Yep, yep!